Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and more like Thor, sick of this bummer. Sick of this bum. Sick. That's the one with thunder. Yeah, yeah. What are we going for here? Joining me today is Jeff Kanata. Thunder, 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 thundercast, go! <laughs> and Devendra Hardwar. Just call me tired, Thor. I'm very tired. <laughs> Those are, of course, all oblique references to the fact that today we're going to be reviewing Thor, Love and Thunder here on the Filmcast. Sorry, I, I went out of order, guys. I usually go Devendra first, then Jeff. That's my bad. Yeah, it threw me off. That threw me off. Threw you off. Yeah, that's, you it's know. Right. Uh, okay. But anyway. Uh, well, I, I, obviously, I uh, I don't want to interfere with the pristine nature of those opening statements, right? So, anyway, uh, apologies. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us slash filmcast at gmail.com. Support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Today on the podcast, we got some film news for you, some James-related film news for you. We got some what we've been watching. We got some weekly plugs. We got some Thor Love and Thunder review coming right at you very shortly. So let's get into it. Uh, a couple stories uh, in terms of film news that we want to mention. First of all, James Kahn passed away this week, which is so very sad. sad. Last so week, sad. yeah. And... Uh, I know this is an actor and performer who's meant a lot to you guys, and I wanted to... Uh, Devendra, I know you're a huge Thief fan, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Michael Mann everything fan, but yes. Thief is... Uh, uh, that is a movie, for anybody who hasn't seen it, that basically contains everything that is in future Michael Mann movies. And uh, James Caan plays this guy, this thief, who is just so cool, so, so charismatic, but also has an emotional core like so many Michael Mann characters. So yeah, I love Thief. I really love James Caan in that movie. Yeah. Um, and Jeff, any favorite James Caan performances? You know, um, obviously the the big ones come to mind. Godfather. Um, that's sort of the, the prototypical James Caan is a badass. He sort of reinvented himself uh, late with, you know, sort of being the lovable dad or the curmudgeon dad, you know, the elf films yeah. and, and such uh but uh, he was already cemented in my mind by that point i think there's a lot of younger people who only know james Kahn as as the dad from elf right 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 um but uh but for me you know i i, I think it, it, it was godfather and misery right misery, Ooh, yeah, misery is the man. movie yeah because i was such a stephen king stan <laughs> in my my youth uh and that movie you know that movie introduced me to kathy bates that movie sort of introduced me to James Caan and you just, and it's such an incredible performance and such mm -hmm. an evocative movie anyway. Um, that was that probably was, the first movie I ever saw James Caan in was watching, yeah, like yeah. watching Misery. And it was my dad that was watching it on our TV, on our <laughs> hey, CRT son, let's TV. watch this leg get smashed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. he was watching it and then like, I kind of, you know, <laughs> snuck in. I didn't, he, he, he wasn't like watching it with me or anything like that, but, uh, that, that was probably one of the first rated R movies I ever caught a glimpse of. And it was uh, <laughs> deeply upsetting. And I thought he did a great job in it, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but the, the other, the, the other movie, you know, Brian's song, if you guys haven't seen that, uh, was a very powerful movie for me as a kid, like this very sad yeah, sports yeah. movie. Um, but also uh, the, the, one of his movies that I'm always, I feel has a lot of cultural relevance, but I still have never seen, I've never seen thief which I think we're mm -hmm. going to rectify that situation soon. Yes. But yep. um, 
Another movie I have never seen, but always sort of wanted to, is Rollerball. Oh, mm. damn. That's I've a never good seen movie. Rollerball. That movie's a lot of fun. Yeah. Talk, talk about like an apocalyptic future that feels all the more real right now. Yeah. yeah. It just, yeah. it's one of those movies that gets referenced a lot. It just mm-hmm. seems zany and, and weird. And I, I mean, I don't really know what it is other than it's like, you know, roller derby as a movie, which uh-huh. seems just uh-huh. crazy on its face. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I'll I'll check that out at some point. That, that's a good one. I would also recommend The Way of the Gun. He was he was good in that. And that movie, not not a not a perfect movie, but you could definitely see the beginnings of like Christopher McQuarrie's uh, you know, style, his directorial style there. Yeah. 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 Uh I really appreciate any actor slash celebrity that understands what their place is in the popular culture and is able to poke fun at it. You know what I mean? And it really did feel like James uh, James Khan had that. Like he obviously was a towering figure in the acting world, but then like later in life, he kind of took on these roles like in Mickey Blue Eyes and an Elf, where he he really leaned into kind of uh, poking fun at or you know the like yeah. exaggerating some of those more comedic elements of his persona. Yeah, um, and for sure. I just really admire that about about any actor. Um, and by all accounts, was a absolutely lovely person too. Yeah, the, one of the I mean. Obviously, it's a sad thing anybody's passing, but but one of the silver linings of, of that sad moment is that uh, I got to read a bunch of stories about James Caan. Yeah. Uh, people were tweeting and, and writing articles about their interactions with him. And it just seems like he was such a uh, a, a little a sort of chaotic good Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. force in the world he, you he saw just, that on his twitter feed too which i don't know if those were actually written by him but uh his feed was known for chaotic chaotic good messes basically yeah yeah, yeah. practical jokes and 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 goofs and and fun. there's a I, one of my favorites that i read this week if anybody didn't catch it was uh brent spiner uh <laughs> wrote a a message he said i i um i only interacted with him one time but i'll, I'll tell you the story so brent spiner he said i was on the on the the Paramount lot shooting Star Trek The Next Generation. And I was in the commissary and uh, brushed past James Conn and I was in my full data makeup and and outfit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he looks over at me and he said one word, working. (laughs) It's such a a brilliant troll. Like it's like he's in full data, full data outfit, (laughs) working. (laughs) <laughs> no, nah, just hanging out. My day off. So yeah. funny. So yeah. funny. Uh, I appreciated this 1976 Playboy interview that was quoted uh, multiple times uh, shortly following his passing. Uh, he Khan says, quote, Lately, I've been reading some bullshit articles about me in these trash fan magazines about what a macho fucking pig I am, <laughs> about how I get loaded and go around smacking people, humping women in the gutter and all that shit. I can't believe the crap they come up with. Uh, and then the interviewer asks, you mean you're not a macho pig? Khan says, anybody says I am, I'll kick the shit out of him. <laughs> no, I mean, I was brought up to defend myself if I have to, and I've never started a fight in my life, and I can't remember the last time somebody started one with me. When I take a drink, which isn't often, mostly wine, I get happy and laugh a lot. And I've never fucked a woman in the gutter, not without putting a pillow under her first. <laughs> Chivalry ain't completely dead, you know, end quote. So. it's pretty good. Great stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. Hilarious. Um, but. Yeah, he and and I also loved. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but he ended all of his tweets with "end of tweet." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like yeah. every single one like of his a telegram. Tweets. Yeah, exactly. So which it was, it was amazing, and he kept it a consistent. Even when there was no text in the tweet, it was just a <laughs> yeah. photo or or emojis. It was Jimmy Kong, photo out. emojis. Yeah, out. end of tweet, and then yeah, and oh, I was man. sad that. To see this last posting on the Twitter account, quote, it is with great sadness that we inform you of the passing of Jimmy on the evening of July 6th. The family appreciates the outpouring of love and heartfelt condolences and asks that you continue to respect their privacy during this difficult time. End of tweet. End quote. <laughs> oh, sad. Yeah. The, probably the final Poignant. end of tweet. Um, and so anyway, uh, we are going to uh, attempt our way of remembering James Caan by watching Thief for the film cast After Dark next Woo! week, not this week. Yeah. Um, you know, list of shame, Jeff Kanata and I have not seen Thief yet. Mm-hmm. So we are going to rectify that. Uh, we're going to watch Thief. That will be our After Dark conversation, our main conversation next week. And it's, of course, it's restored. It's beautiful now. Like you, you guys are so lucky. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. But we are really appreciative of the body of work that James Con has left behind, and uh, and also just the reputation of being a great guy. You know, it's uh, it's relatively rare these days, unfortunately, in Hollywood. So, all right, guys, let's talk about another piece of film news. Another Speaking James. of great guys, yeah. <laughs> Uh, James Cameron gave an interview to <laughs> the the Empire magazine, uh-huh. and um, just, just Empire magazine, yeah, yes. Um, and this is a guy that long ago stopped giving fucks. Oh yeah, right? <laughs> he's, he's letting loose now. Yeah, you I love it. Yeah, when you have the two biggest grossing movies of all time, uh, uh-huh. you, you know, you can. You don't have to listen to anybody. Yeah, I, I remember uh, distinctly reading. You know, the, one of the first times I heard the phrase "fuck you, money" mm-hmm. was in relation to James Cameron. I believe he um, gave up his uh, five million dollar salary for Titanic. Like Titanic at the time was running over costs so dramatically. Oh, it it was it was people don't remember. Yeah, how everyone thought that movie was going to fail. Yes. Everyone. Well, it was at the time the most expensive movie ever made, right? Expensive movie ever ever made. It was about people were writing think pieces. I mean, this the kids these days they don't know what it was like. Uh, (laughs) People were writing think pieces. People miss people underestimating James Cameron. Yeah, yeah, it's unthinkable today. Unthinkable. Uh, We're writing think pieces about how how could you make a movie where everyone knows the ending. The ship. Go- You're making a movie about the only thing everybody knows is that the ship sinks. This thing is. G- it stinks. You know, it's going to be. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was predicting his utter failure. Mm-hmm. And then uh, biggest grossing movie of all time. But he gave up his like it, it was so apparently it was incredibly stressful to make the film, as with most James Cameron movies. Um, and uh, he, he the costs went so over that he kind of gave up his salary as a way of you know appeasing the studio yeah uh, i'll just take it, back end don't worry about me well that's what ended up happening is yeah. they ended up giving him a percentage of back end which i think at the time was around like 68 to 70 million dollars and that i was reading a story about it and that was described as fuck you money and at the, even reading it i still didn't quite uh-huh. understand what it was like <laughs> like what is fuck you money? what does that mean fuck you money you know uh, when you know, but, you know. But now I get it. Now I understand uh-huh. fuck you money, which is you don't need to give any fucks at all about uh-huh. what anyone thinks about you. And yeah. James Cameron has entered that phase of his career. Like when, when I say any fucks, I mean like even the studio. You know, the studio 
uh, likes to control the PR message around its films, right? Uh, they want to be extremely careful about what the directors and what the actors are saying about the movie to reinforce a preordained message. And James Cameron does not care about any of that. Hey, um, can I do a quick sidebar? Have please. You, have you guys uh, have you guys heard the phrase uh, "fuck me money"? <laughs> no. Okay. No. So I, I can't remember which comedian did this bit. I, I apologize for not uh, citing it, but. Uh, of course, fuck you, money. You you have explained very well, which is you know I, I don't need you. Yes, I have money, right? Yes. Fuck me, money is basically Elon Musk, mm -hmm. where it's like I have so much money I can just do yeah. disastrous things for my own reputation. R richest mm -hmm. man in the world. I see. I see. I you know. See. I thought you were going to say it in a much more disturbing way. No, yes, no, no. It is. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> I will destroy myself. Because I have so much, I don't even care about my own well-being or reputation. Yes, okay, I get it. Now. I get it. Now. <laughs> because I have so much money, it doesn't matter what you think of me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well fuck said. Fuck you, well money said. is. It doesn't matter what I think of you. <laughs> now, yes, fuck yes. me, money is. Eh, destroy myself. Uh, it's, it's true on the grandest stages because I have so much money. Well, J James Cameron has a lot of opinions about people's opinions about Avatar. He said, "Quote." The trolls will have it that nobody gives a shit and they can't remember the characters' names or one damn thing that happened in the movie. Then they see the movie again, Avatar, and go, oh, okay, excuse me. Let me just shut the fuck up right now. Oh, so, so I'm not beautiful. worried about that, end quote. Um, which, so guys, beautiful. this is so beautiful, this is, you guys. This is huge news. James Cameron apparently listens to the film guest. Yeah, how <laughs> do you guys like being name-checked by James Cameron? It's actually, it's actually kind of sad, like, how obsessed he is with us. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> It's like, dude, you you have an empire to build. Like, why are you listening to us? You know, why are you I think it's striking back at against us? It's you know? proof that we are culturally relevant, David. So true. It's so true. And uh, I mean, James Cameron, get a hobby, man. That's what I have to say. <laughs> you know, you don't need to spend your time listening to the film cast. Uh, you gotta, well, we, you appreciate, gotta, we appreciate. I'm waiting every for my listener. Abyss and, and True Lies 4K Blu-ray. Come on, man. <laughs> um, get on it. Yeah, if he was actually listening, he'd hear that. Yes. Are we the, won't shut are up we, about it. Are we the reason there's no true last fucking <laughs> He's just sitting there seething, you know, uh, instead of work, working on that remaster. Apparently, he did have time to remaster or to do a 3D up conversion or, you know, re like do some additional work on the Titanic 3D re-release. Because apparently Titanic is coming out in theaters again in 2023 uh, yeah. for Valentine's yeah, yeah. Day. So. So he did have time to do Titanic again. Still waiting on that Abyss 4K Blu-ray, though. Um, Abyss would be nice. Uh, th yeah. There is a lot in True Lies that uh, doesn't may well. not fly. Today. Doesn't age yeah, well. Does not yes. age well. So <laughs> yeah. I wonder but, if he's just like let's let's not think about that movie. Yeah, for a while. we don't need to. Uh, I mean, I don't think he really cares he based care. on this interview. He I don't think care. he really cares. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so a couple more thoughts about James Cameron. But uh, first, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to thank a sponsor. We'll be right back. We'd like to take a moment to thank the world of microdosing, specifically our sponsors, Microdose Gummies. You've probably heard the term microdosing before if you search around the internet. It's something people have been doing for a creative boost to help with anxiety and pain and sleep and things like that. Microdose Gummies gives you a really nice dose of entry-level THC to help you feel good and relaxed. I've been taking CBD products for years, and I really like microdose gummies because they taste good, uh, you know, they're easy to take too, and they are really effective when it comes to dealing with, with anxiety, especially if I have to go to a crowded event right now while I'm also trying to stay safe, or also if I need to relax after hanging out with my kids all day. And they're also super useful if I ever need a little help getting to sleep. 
Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use code FILMCAST to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com and code FILMCAST. All right. Uh, James Cameron also said a few other things about... Can we just revel one more second in that previous comment, though, <laughs> yes, Dave? please. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> it's basically what I've been saying <laughs> mm-hmm. for uh-huh, uh-huh. actual years. I felt like Jeff would feel complete vindication. Yes. Reading reading yeah. that quote. It, you know? If only somebody would defend James Cameron, you yeah. know, in the, the biggest <laughs> like, movie of all time. <laughs> see me, senpai, see me. <laughs> You're going to get a phone call. Want to be a blue guy, Jeff? Like, yeah. uh, everyone in detail, Jeff. Do you know that I have told you guys that I auditioned for Avatar 2, right? No, no. I don't. I, don't I have not this. told you that. I don't I, this is relevant to our interest. You might, have, you might have mentioned it. Yeah, it yeah maybe, sounds maybe. Like a, It sounds like a bit. I'm not doing mm-hmm. a bit. I okay. literally got an audition for Avatar 2. Um, and I, I went to it and uh, it, it was so secretive that it, you were auditioning for Avatar 2, or I guess the Avatar sequels, plural, uh, you were av- uh, auditioning for the sequels with material from the first movie. Mm. So I did a scene from actual Avatar as uh, one of the one of the Na'vi, and uh, I, I, I did not uh, do well. Uh, well, I, I, I didn't get the part is what I'm trying to Do you to remember say. what, first of all, I'm impressed that you remember the phrase Na'vi. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember what <laughs> character you're playing or what you were talking about? I, you know, honestly, this is this is sounds like a dodge, but uh, I signed a lot of NDAs, so I'm sure that they have not expired because the movie hasn't come out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So I, uh, I well, sorry you didn't get it, Jeff. Uh-huh. Um, Dude, because it was an incredible moment that I went. Yeah. I went. That, I went that sounds amazing. Just to get that chance, Jeff. Wow. Yeah. No, I went to the facility where that he owned this massive facility. I think it's in Malibu or uh, uh, yeah, some some it's a, a beach. So this was years ago. Years ago, they were casting the first the the sequels, um, and I went to the facility, and uh, it was uh, an amazing experience walking through the, where they have all the the volumes and everything. Uh, his facility that he owns that that they devote to making those movies, um, and I went in and did the. I mean, he wasn't there; it was casting directors, but um, still pretty cool that I got to audition. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um, I mean, I don't know if it was a good idea that that I went in full blue paint, but <laughs> I wanted to show them. Yeah, you went in your blue man group cosplay. And, uh, you didn't like I wanted that too to much. show them how committed I was to the uh-huh. material. This is permanent dye. It doesn't come off. <laughs> this is a face tattoo. Um, okay, uh, here's something else that James Cameron said. Uh, he he wants us to normalize longer movies. Okay, that he has already happened. Normalize longer movies, and well, no, no, no. But you also need to shut the fuck up about them, Jeff. Yeah, that's, shut that's up. He, I like that. <laughs> I think that's the theme a, of this uh, yeah. this interview. Yeah, James yeah. Cameron just wants Stop everybody to shut up. To just me, shut James the fuck Cameron. up. Okay, he says, yeah. "quote I don't want anybody whining about length when they sit and binge watch television for eight hours." Um, I can almost write part of the review: the agonizingly long three-hour movie. It's like, give me a fucking break. I've watched my kids sit and do five one-hour episodes in a row. Uh, end quote. He's talking about like binge watching, you know. And I fucking hate my kids. <laughs> <laughs> just seems. Um, I've just watched my saying. kids uh, sit and do five one-hour episodes in a row. Here's the big social paradigm shift that has to happen. It's okay to get up and go pee. 
end quote. That's what he is trying to say. So, um, hey, if you want to complain about how long uh, Avatar The Way of Water is, shut the fuck up and get up and go pee. That's kind of what he's trying to say. I, right? I'm with him all the way up until that last sentence. Because well, the shut up and go, uh, shut the fuck up. That was me interpolating. That. No, 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 no. I mean, the, his actual last <laughs> sentence and his actual yes. quote, which is, yes. we, it's okay to get up and go pee. Is, it, I don't agree with that. I don't agree I mean, with that. I, I, as a you filmmaker, can. you can. Well, if, here's the thing that he's not acknowledging is when you're at home, you can freaking pause the show. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. In a movie theater, it's not okay to get up and go pee. It, at least it doesn't feel okay to me because I. It's okay if you're in. If you're in, I was going to say Elon Musk. It's okay if you're in James Cameron's private theater at his house, <laughs> right? And, and there's no one. You know, there's not thirty people in the aisle. You need to step past and right. Yeah, you know. and you're missing stuff inevitably. Yes. You're yes. not pausing. You're missing stuff. You don't know when is the good time to go unless you're using like an app like Run P or something like that. Yes, but then you got to open. I, I don't listen. <laughs> I. You know, I'm all uh, long movies can be long movies if they're good. If 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 you needed to have all that long movie, I will criticize a long movie for being long if it doesn't feel like it's right. essential. You have to earn it. You got to earn it. But also, Strange, Stranger Things has two and a half hour episodes a season. It's ridiculous. D- don't tell me that it needed to be three hours, but it's also okay to get up and leave in the middle at any point if you need to. If, if, uh, if there's moments where I can get up and leave and come back and I won't have missed anything, edit those parts out. <laughs> it's uh, I, I feel like this is an after dark topic because yeah. uh, we, we should normalize just going to the bathroom if you need to at the movies. You, you, you have to. Jeff, no, I, you're not you're not feeling this at this point. I pee I, right I before to. the movie. I I pre pee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we, I do we've, my had, best. we've had this argument before, and not everyone yeah. you know is able to hold it in for the entire time. But I, I. I agree with the sentiment against James Cameron, <laughs> which is that, which is that yeah you can't pause it the theater it's uncomfortable to go to the bathroom at the movie and I actually agree with pretty much everything you said Jeff if if it can be edited out if I can go pee during it edit it out of the movie Shane Black I think has this philosophy that when you're watching a movie you're watching the most important time in those characters' lives. <laughs> Yes. Like, the period of time that you are exposed to in the movie is the most important two weeks or 48 hours or whatever of that character's life. Um, and if it's not, or if there's like filler, then take it out. And and yeah. uh, and you got to yeah. be watching the most important two hours of those two weeks. Yeah. 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 You know, the only solution for this is um, toilet theater seats. <laughs> just, just go. Poop sockets. Just put go. it in the put just put it in the D box. Yeah. You know, yeah. you shake <laughs> you until you poop. <laughs> Here is some really good news uh that Devendra is going to be heartened by. Okay? Here's another thing that Cameron also said. He said, "Quote, the Avatar films themselves are kind of all consuming. I've got other things I'm developing as well that are exciting." I, I realized this a decade later. Uh it's kind of taking over my life, guys. <laughs> These movies, this franchise. <laughs> I think eventually over time, I don't know if it's if that's after three or four or after four, I'll want to pass the baton to a director that I trust to take over so I can go do some other stuff that I'm interested in. Or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. He also says, quote, I got more excited as I went along. Movie number four is a corker. It's a motherfucker. <laughs> I actually hope I get to make it. But it depends on market forces. Three Ugh. is in the can, so it's coming out regardless. I really hope that we get to make four and five because it's one big story, ultimately, end quote. 
So. Four's a corker, you guys. Well, four's a corker. Just wait, for, wait for it, guys. Uh, you know, survive the Supreme Court. Survive climate change. You got to get to Avatar Four. I can't wait for the corker. <laughs> oh man, I want that fourth one, guys. Uh, the, what twenty thirty two? Come on. He, he's defeated the T one thousand, the uh, the Titanic. Um, but the one thing that James Cameron can't defeat, cannot defeat. Market forces. Market forces. Market also, forces. time, he's he is, them every he is time. 67 years old. You know, so mm. I, I think after a certain point, he's like, I, I, I got to, like, use this more efficiently. I thought, <laughs> I, I saw that news. I saw that news drop yes, from I thought Empire. Davindra's going to love this. That was it's, my reaction to it. Well, it's not that, I, I don't want this guy to just be trapped by Avatar. Like, he is <laughs> he is one of our greatest living directors. Like, let do something else. Like, I you, wish you he had say time to well, the, You say trapped, but he clearly thought. It's his. He it's could his reach thing. his full creative expression. Yeah. Through the world of Avatar. The you know, like there's a corker! What part of corker do you not understand? <laughs> uh, and also, I, I kind of want to see what other people would do in the Avatar universe, you know? So, yes. I, I think, though, Davindra, you may be making an assumption that mm-hmm. is not in the text, which is when he says, I want to go do other stuff, it's probably like diving more, to the bottom yeah, of more the ocean and stuff. not making movies, <laughs> you know? You know what? Fine. Fine. Do it. Do it. I'd rather he do that than make like a, a billion Avatar movies. Davindra would rather deprive the world of James Cameron's filmmaking uh, skills than see James Cameron make Avatar 4 and 5. Um, yeah. Is really where, where it's at. Yep. So, yep. um, I'm actually uh, conflicted about, about this because... I, you know, I defend the Avatar movie. I love the Avatar movie unabashedly. But I don't love the Avatar movie in the absence of James Cameron. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. right? I, I see yeah. your faith is waning. <laughs> well, it's, oh, that's how it is. It's, I mean, I love that because it's this filmmaker writing with really, you know, a big canvas. That's what I love about it. I, I mean, I, I assume he would, it, it, they're precious to him and he would choose the right director and sort of oversee it and produce it and be a sort of George Lucas-esque force. Uh, but I, what I love about, what I'm excited about about these movies is seeing this filmmaker make them. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's a yeah, good yeah, thing yeah. or a bad thing. Yep. Uh, well, what's also interesting about this, guys, is number three, Avatar 3, is in the can, he has said, right? And I know, like, we've heard reports that it's in the can before, so it's not like it's completely brand new, but it's like, after 10 years it's actually feeling like these movies are actually going to come out you know i I know for for many of us seeing the trailer was the moment when we felt that way but seeing the release date was the moment we felt that way but you know it's a journey it's a journey for me emotionally to believing that the avatar movie is going to come out is kind of what it is and the interesting (laughs) the interesting thing to read between the lines here is well first of all in the can is a nebulous term because it means that the the photography is is done yeah, the, but the main produ- main production is done but there's, there's loads years, of post-production yeah, and visual effects that need to be done years right? so, of visual effects work yes, that yes. these game these movies yeah. are not ready to be there it's not they're just sitting on a shelf yes but correct. the interesting thing here i don't think i knew maybe maybe it was public knowledge but they filmed all three of the they filmed two and three together but he hasn't filmed any of four and five like i thought they were filming kind of all of them right but it sounds yeah. like you have to. We have to go back, rev things back up for four mm-hmm. and five mm-hmm. if we're going to make them. It um, would have been crazy to do so many all at once. So I don't know. I always I mean, always he's too crazy. Three. 
Yeah, he is. Who he is. <laughs> well, the other, the other thing is also he's saying, "quote It's one big story." So what what the fuck does that mean? Like, <laughs> is it are we, is it going to be a cliffhanger at the end of three that never gets resolved? Well, you know I don't I mean? think like, you sit down and write four sequels to a thing mm-hmm, if you don't mm-hmm. have one overarching story. You don't go, "Well, what else can happen?" You know, yeah. the you, Navi you, go to Earth. <laughs> dun, it's not dun, dun. Episodic, you know, when you have you're like, I need to make four of these. It's like, and because the fourth one is just this other side story, I think you do. You go, I make make four of these because I have a big arc that I want to tell. Right. So so you're saying Avatar 3 is going to end with a cliffhanger. This could be the biggest cliffhanger that's never resolved in movie. Who's the biggest cliffhanger? Only if if you idiots convince people not to go see them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's everybody listening to the podcast. I I wonder if James Cameron has been playing the Horizon games. I was just like, oh, shit. Somebody else is doing this now, too. I I can't keep going. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, ninety nine percent of the people listening to this podcast are going to go see Avatar two and three. Josh, we're so. going to go see it. Not yeah, we're we're going to go see it. Go see it. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's going to go see it. It's going to be a huge. It's going to be awesome, and everyone's going to love it. And then, and no one's going to remember having crapped on it. And it's going to be. I'm going to be in this except weird... James Cameron. Except, except James Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. And yeah. Jeff, you will uh, remember. But, hey, uh, again, I don't hate the first movie. I just wish it were better. And I hope uh, a lot of those issues don't exist for the second one and the third one. I would say the first movie is wildly problematic, and uh, <laughs> a lot of issues there. It has aged very poorly. That's my that's my reaction, um, and I'm sure we're going to argue about that a lot in the six months from now. You know, <laughs> going to be a Can good. Can you believe time. that by the end of this year we'll have seen another Avatar movie? No, Great. I can't. I still it's don't wild. believe it. Yeah, wild. <laughs> well, first, so, we have to get there, Jeff. We have to survive this year. I know so. it's not it's not guaranteed. It's, it's pretty rough. But if there's any doubts that James Cameron has the the fuck you money. Let this interview put them to rest. Because let me tell you, as somebody who has worked in movie marketing and PR, uh, that is not the messages that you want someone going out with <laughs> five months, six months before the movie comes out. Hey, yeah. you pieces of shit. Stop <laughs> complaining. <laughs> you fucking trolls. You know, you're yeah. not, this is, <laughs> that's yeah. not what you want. You want to like you're gonna sit there and the enjoy oh. my, my glop. Yeah. Oh, hey, it's too long for you guys. Why don't you get fucked? You know, like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not the kind of uh, welcoming big tent message that yeah. you want to go out with if you're uh, the studio. Do you know? Uh, <laughs> but but I love I love it I love it because it's it's so rare to have that you know these days um, a filmmaker that that. Actually care says what they think. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, that is uh, Empire Magazine's review. I'm sorry, interview with James Cameron. Um, giving no yeah. fucks. Five, six I'm going to I'm going to buy that physical issue. Oh, too. yes. Em- Empire is always a good thing to buy. It's just so expensive to get it in the US. Uh, if you mail order it, it ships from the UK. I really wish they had some like local way to get those things out. Uh, but if you go to like a bookstore, you'll usually find it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that. So, side note. Uh, I saw that Tom Cruise uh, turned 60 this last week, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise turned 60. I-, I have tried to go see Top Gun Maverick uh, in theaters again. It it returned to IMAX. I don't know if you guys saw in limited screening. So it's like playing at the 9 p.m. screening, you know, at my local IMAX theater. And um, they're still mostly packed. They're still mostly packed, which is hmm. really astonishing. Um, but speaking of physical copies of magazines, uh, somebody tweeted out a Playboy interview in 1990. I think this is from June 1990 um, with Tom Cruise. And uh, this is a quote from the interview. 
Uh, Playboy asks, Born on the 4th of July is also the flip side of Top Gun. He's talking about Born on the 4th of July, the movie. Um, is the flip side of Top Gun, which is essentially war by Nintendo game and a pay-in to blind patriotism. <laughs> to which Tom Cruise responds, okay, some people felt that Top Gun was a right-wing film to promote the Navy, and a lot of kids loved it. But I want the kids to know that's not the way war is. That Top Gun was just an amusement park ride. A fun film with a PG-13 rating that was not supposed to be reality. That's why I didn't go on and make Top Gun 2, 3, 4, and 5. That <laughs> would have been irresponsible. End quote. Yeah. Um, the interview is remarkable because... And Tom because... Cruise never associates with anything irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> the interview is, is remarkable because Tom Cruise basically never gives interviews like that anymore. Right? Mm -hmm, he never mm -hmm. talks about his movies in any meaningful way beyond just how they're made. And yeah. how close he was to dying while making it. Humans can't um, talk to him anymore. Yeah. Right. He he doesn't do any sort of meaningful PR or give any insight into his process anymore. Um, so I was like, wow, what an extraordinary find, this 1990 Playboy interview. I tried to acquire the Playboy interview. And let me just tell you guys, um, it's a sketchy process to acquire a 1990 Playboy interview. I went on eBay. They're like, <laughs> they're like, we have used Playboy copies. They might be, they, you know, pages might show signs yeah. of wear. And I'm like, <laughs> Dave, okay, Dave's I, like, I want them for the is. articles. I want, I, I read it for the articles. I'm like, I don't know if I can buy a used 1990 Playboy off of eBay. Like, I don't know uh -huh. if that's something that I, I can do, you know, even though I really want to read this entire interview with Tom Cruise. You can. So. It's not going to be <laughs> sticky. All right. Thanks for that, Jeff. <laughs> hey, I got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Quip. You can make a clear delineation in my life before I knew about Quip and after. I am a completely different person, oral hygiene-wise. Several years ago, Quip sponsored the show for the first time, and I tried the product, and I have never gone back. Now we have four Quips in my house, and I tell you, before that moment, I don't think I ever brushed my teeth. This is embarrassing to say. I never brushed my teeth for the dentist recommended two minutes. Uh, who has time? You know, it's it's not even that I didn't want to. It's just that my mind wanders. I'm not keeping track. I, I got I got stuff on my mind while I'm brushing my teeth. My mind wanders. I'm not stopping a stopwatch. I don't even I don't know how long it's been. I'm impatient. I'm just done. But now I've got a quip. In fact, we have four quips in my house. All my family members have quips. And the Quip toothbrush, the electric toothbrush, which is loved by over 7 million mouths, including my family's, has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses that guide you to that dentist-recommended two-minute clean. I don't have to think about it. It just times itself. I know every 30 seconds I can change the position in my mouth. After two minutes, it turns itself off. Plus, it's got this lightweight, sleek design with no wires or bulky chargers to weigh you down. You know how most electric toothbrushes look like a brick in your hand? Not the Quip. No. And they've got that multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount. I have mine mounted on my mirror in my bathroom. It's less clutter on the counter. It looks great. And they have reusable handles in a range of sleek metal hues, including the best-selling All Black that I use, the All Pink my wife enjoys, they got bright plastic colors to make sure younger folks like my kids 
are excited about them, but you could you could put a, a bright plastic color in your bathroom counter as well. You can also upgrade your Quip with the new smart motor to track and improve your brushing with their free Quip app and earn amazing rewards, free refills, products, and Target gift cards. Plus, they have two ways to floss, the floss string that expands to clean and the reusable floss pick that replaces over 180 disposable picks with every refill. And they have anti-cavity toothpaste in mint or watermelon. My kids love the watermelon. It helps prevent cavities. This is the entire oral care suite of products. Check it out. If you go to getquip.com slash filmcast right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash filmcast. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Quip, the good habits company. All right, let's get to what we've been watching. Jeff Kanata, you've seen one of the biggest success stories of the summer. Indeed. Right? Indeed, I have. Tell us about this movie that you saw. Well, Top Gun Maverick uh, is quite good. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I took my five-year-old son to a press screening of Minions Rise of Gru. And... You know, I hesitate to say this because of how often I'm wrong, <laughs> but I don't think I've ever seen a Minions movie all the way through. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I tend to say proclamations like that, and people are like, here's a video of you reviewing it. And I'm like, oh, I just didn't remember. But um, I don't think I've ever actually seen a Minions movie. Um, so this was my first. and And so going into it, my my son very excited about the Minions movie based purely on uh, I don't know what how the, the memes he's seen the TikToks I, you know he's excited <laughs> he's all over that TikTok my five year old is um, he no no <laughs> don't let him be anywhere near TikTok you insane my, my daughter's on the TikTok she knows what's up <laughs> my wow. I don't know how kids like get things out of the zeitgeist they just absorb things from the ether just <laughs> they, like, it is weird it's weird my daughter learned what spider-man was i've never talked about it her friends never talked like it just well, kind of yeah. existed manifested just, they just they just know of the minions of like how do you know about the minions? i guess because a kid had a backpack that had the minions on it. i don't know mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. uh anyway you want to see the minions movie I, I got a press screen i was like i'll take my son second movie he's ever uh, gone to the movie theater to see uh first being Lightyear. um so I, going in, my expectation of what a Minions movie was, based on my absorption of the zeitgeist, is uh, I thought it was going to be like some super wacky, like Three Stooges action. <laughs> I, thought they were, I, thought, I thought the Minions themselves were going to be a laugh riot. I thought they, they were going to have hijinks. There was going to be a lot of slapstick because, you know, they only talk in the gibberish language. There's no actual, which oddly, very similar to Italian. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very uh -huh. Italian slash Spanish, like yeah. many things all at once. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my my anticipation was like, hey, this movie isn't something that I would seek out for myself, but I'm probably at least going to have some fun enjoying the 3D animated slapstick comedy. And you totally did, right, Jeff? <laughs> this movie is garbage, you guys. <laughs> it is so bad. I could yeah. not believe it. I couldn't believe. I mean, my my five year old had a great time, so 
you know, mission accomplished, I guess. It does what it needs to do, which is, mm -hmm. you know, it's bright and colorful and it, and it entertains five-year-olds for two hours. You also have to watch it a thousand more times now, Jeff, so strap in. Dear God, I hope not. Yeah. Uh, he did go to the dentist yesterday. I brought him to the <laughs> dentist and they have that thing where you can lie down and they have a, mm -hmm. a, a, a TV strapped to the ceiling. Yeah. And they're like, Kids are so like? spoiled these days. Oh. Kid dentists, man. Yes. Constant entertainment for them my, my you know daughter's that? dentist has a screening room with like a, a stadium seating what it is yeah it's, it's just a yeah. room with a giant tv and they go in and they They're, watch movies his waiting room had actual arcade video games like uh, okay. okay when i was a kid a dentist was awful <laughs> and boring <laughs> yes yeah and you maybe you maybe got a new toothbrush at the end of it <laughs> if you were lucky <laughs> anyway uh so yeah, why is so, it so bad? Why is it so bad? Jeff? He's wait, he's lying on his back and he's and he, he points at the TV and he goes, "I, I want to watch the Minions movie." And I'm like, oh, "Fuck, <laughs> they're everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere." Anyway, it is um, <laughs> it is so uninteresting on every single level. Like it is kinetic and fast moving, and it, it literally made me go, "Man, does my kids just like have short attention spans?" And this is just moving fast enough that it entertains them. It bothers me, but it. it fundamentally it doesn't earn the title of the rise of Gru because there's no rising of Gru. Gru's a, a young kid in this one uh, still played by Stephen Carell. This is a prequel. Yeah. Yeah. He's a young kid who dreams of uh, joining the evil group. You know, he wants to be an evil, which is like, that's the message we want to tell the kids. Like be evil, like be as evil as possible. Join the evil bad guys. You know, the you two can achieve your dreams. I, I guess. Um, <laughs> And um, to be fair, he is in a series of movies called Despicable Me. So I think it's clear that he is the bad guy. But, but yeah, no, he, he's the main character and everybody yeah. loves him. It's uh, true. And Alan Arkin is in this uh, <laughs> yep. as a voice sounding, sounding very old. Um, but I love Alan Arkin. Um, and uh, there's some superheroes that are d dumb. Uh, there, there's just there's there's very little hijinks. The, the movie barely holds together in any coherent form of, of storytelling whatsoever. There's an entire sequence where one of the minions like goes on a road trip with some guy on a motorcycle for no reason, but he's just the deus ex machina who <laughs> gets exactly what they need at the end for no, no, he doesn't earn it in any way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it, nothing interesting happens. It is, it is just sound and color on the big screen for two Signifying hours. Signifying nothing. Signifying nothing. nothing. It, adding up to nothing. It is so incoherent, <laughs> not funny. There's yeah. no there's no jokes. There's no fun. There's no like what, what if the minions flew a plane, Jeff? What if, what yeah. if minions were oh responsible my God. for hundreds of lives? That sequence it, 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 like <laughs> the idea of the minion, first of all. <laughs> I mean, I guess I should listen. Ask listen, for we're having logic. a pilot shortage. Uh, airlines are having trouble uh, staffing. So they decide they get they uh, need, minions. They, they decide they need to go somewhere they can only get to by plane. They go to the airport. They go to the to the desk to buy a ticket, and they try to buy it with some like <laughs> garbage, like jelly beans or whatever. You can't <laughs> buy a ticket with jelly beans. A hilarious, hilarious. Can't buy a ticket with jelly beans. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do they do it? They look at the the door and they see a pile like a 1970. It's it all takes place in the 70s, which could be really fun, right? The the soundtrack's fun. The soundtrack has some good cuts from the 70s. Um, they uh, they look at the door. They they see this like 1970s pilot uh, with uh, a couple of uh, you know sort of uh, 
stewardesses who are, you know, the 70s sort of bimbo uh, trope. Um, and uh, they look at that and they go, oh, we got an idea. Cut to them in those exact outfits walking through that same door. Now, I get it. It's a joke, not a very effective joke. No particular payoff to the joke other than, hey, look at the minions in funny outfits. But like, there's no explanation of how they achieved that. They, they killed those pilots. They murdered, <laughs> they murdered them. They and murdered them in those the people and took their outfits. Yeah. They're it's, like, it's a uh, given. you know, the T-1000 or the people in Westworld, typically, yeah, yeah. you know, once you assume the characteristics of the target, the subject is terminated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's called subtext, Jeff. Keep up. <laughs> this is, they are this evil. is like, you know, in 1994, uh, The Simpsons released one of the greatest episodes of all time, Itchy and Scratchy Land. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene in that episode where uh, Marge is talking to the park manager and saying, like, she's murmuring. And the park manager says, there's no need to murmur, ma'am. Here at Itchy and Scratchy Land, we're just as concerned with violence as you are. That's why we're always careful to show the consequences of deadly mayhem so that we may educate as well as horrify. To which Marge responds, when do you show the consequences? On TV, that mouse pulled out that cat's lungs and played them like a bagpipe. But in the next scene, the cat was breathing comfortably. Just like in real life. Just, says, just like in real life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm listening to Marge uh, talk about the minions. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, you know what, Jeff? I'm going to throw this out there for you because I feel like uh, we, we have similar pains in terms of uh, getting kids stuff to watch. Uh, there is something I've seen a thousand times, and it may have broken me, and I may think it's good. Uh-oh. And that is the Paw Patrol movie. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Ninja, what has happened to you? Yeah. It's uh, every, everything you're talking about for minions, you know what? Uh, Paw Patrol movie actually has like uh, a narrative. It, really? it, it's about heroics. It has good music. It has yeah. funny bits. Um, it's I've also seen this movie. Copaganda, Devendra. It is copaganda. It is copaganda. <laughs> it's the, the downside of the Paw Patrol movie <laughs> it is copaganda. Shut up, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> the downside of watching that movie is your kids will start to watch the Paw Patrol TV show, which is pure pop copaganda, uh, propaganda. But the movie, <laughs> the movie is good. Well, put all that right, there. all right. If, if well, you want to cleanse your palate a little, Jeff, and give your kids something else to watch, that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> we we have to mention the fact that uh, the youngins, the kids these days, are showing up en masse to movie theaters, uh, fueled by the hashtag Gentle Minions trend. Not, not just youngins, teens. Like yes. I don't want to say too young. These are teens. You yes. said en masse, but you could have said unmasked, which would also be mm-hmm. <laughs> accurate. Teen, uh, so here's a headline from Wall Street Journal. Teens dressed as gentle minions causing real-life minion mayhem. <laughs> Subheading, young, young people showing up for the newest minions movie in suits, throwing bananas. Other theater goers aren't pleased. There's also mm-hmm. a story in uh, the BBC and other outlets about how several uh, movie theaters have banned this practice. Mm-hmm. People have um, called the cops, I've seen, in some yes. screenings because of this. Um, so some people have said, no, they will no longer admit unaccompanied children wearing suits. Uh, <laughs> one regal teens. cinema. Yeah. Thank you. And teens. I will definitely not admit three children in one suit <laughs> stacked I on am, each other's I am shoulders. Very torn about, I'm very torn about this. Uh, mm-hmm. Devendra, it sounds like you have thoughts, but I, I'm very torn I, about I it. You can, go first. you can go first. Uh, can go first. My, my thoughts are, um, guys... I remember people dressing up to go to the movies, right? Uh, the Star Wars. You could go look at the the Triumph the Insult comic dog versus uh, you know the the lines of people getting into Phantom Menace. That's a classic bit. I remember people dressing up to go to Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, things, properties we care about, things people love, uh, all sorts of geek properties. But this right? is irony. This is this is irony. This is, and it's not just 
irony, right? It is irony for the TikTok cloud. Like yeah. this became a TikTok beam where I think one major influencer did it and everyone was like, haha, that's funny. And then everybody else started doing it. And I don't, yeah, you shouldn't be like doing crazy shit in the theater, but just the the idea that the only reason these people are spending their time to to dress in a three piece, dress in a full suit, uh, go to the theater, record themselves in the line and in the theater too. It's not just like they do the line part. Um, it does make me a little sad because it's like, what what are you doing this for? What are you doing? It's not through love of the thing. No, it is not. Yeah, I, it's not. It, I disagree. I'm so sick of the kids and their ironic takes on everything. I disagree. <laughs> I don't think it's quite as ironic as you guys think it is. Like, I, I think there is actually. You think here, these teens love minions? Here's what is ironic, guys. Here's what is ironic. Morbius memes. Okay. Morbius yeah. memes are ironic because no one gives it's a same, shit about Morbius. Okay? It, it is the same. It's the wait, same wait, thing, it is yeah. the same thing. But the difference but is they're actually going to the theater. Gen There's... Z goes harder. Mor- Morbius was like millennial <laughs> ironic memes, like uh, millennials tweeting. That's all Morbius was. This is the Gen Z kids like, oh, we're memeing. Okay, suit up. We're going to the theater. We're going <laughs> to the so screening. Good. This Gen is Gen Z, Z going harder. much harder than any of us, and it's terrifying. I, you know. I think there's actually affection for not necessarily the movies, but like at least for the aesthetic and <laughs> uh, and the fact that you know minions are have become an incredibly popular thing online. Usually from like Facebook moms posting memes about minions, but like I guess I, 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 I did see the the BuzzFeed. There's an, a BuzzFeed erotic story about minions. Yeah. So yeah, I would love the audience to weigh in yes. on this one because it's time for I the think way in Tom Cruise symbol style, right? Like yeah. I think you're way off base, David. Mm-hmm. I think okay. I mm-hmm. think this is complete ironic well i, I, I think i would fun. also say so first of all yes feel free to email us at slash mm-hmm. if you have uh a child who participated in gent- gentle minions mm-hmm. like let us know what their actual <laughs> I like how, i like but, how we know our audience if yeah. you have a child not if you participated god <laughs> you. knows you don't have a young demographic on this yeah, show or a teen yeah, yeah yeah um but i'm also gonna say that i think that for gen z um, and I say this as somebody that like spends a, a quite a bit of time like reading about this and studying it. Uh, there is very little difference between doing something ironically and, and not ironically. That's like, a problem. I'm not even yeah, yeah. That's a bad thing. That, that is what I'm saying. It, it is like genuinely <laughs> but, liking a thing. Um, and I, I, I'm not really against irony here. I'm really against basically meme culture, where you're kind of just doing the thing because other people were doing it on TikTok. And if you do it with your friends, maybe you get some TikTok clout. Like it is, if you, if you want to be like really cynical about it, like that's what it is. You know, you're doing something with friends, but you're doing it for TikTok. You're not doing it for the love of, uh, you know, this, this, this these for characters the love, you actually For the like. pure love of minions-related cinema. Well, for the, I, uh, did well, you ever go to midnight screenings, Dave? Like when people would like dress up and like actually get into these movies and yeah, into these I, things, I, I've, you know? I've gone to like the room screenings, you know, Rocky no, Horror Picture Show. Not even, again, that's, that's that's more irony. ironic viewing. I'm talking like the people who went, like the first Lord of the Rings, you know, yes. sequels or the Matrix yes, sequels, like yes, where people yes. are really loving it and going into it and just I waited. coasting with the movie, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know, Devendra. I, that is very I, different I think, than, you know, late night uh, bad movie thing. That's what I'm I, saying. I think I... As usual on this podcast, possibly a preview of our review of Thor: Love and Thunder. I think I'm gonna have to completely disagree with you guys. Um, I think this is like I, I'm torn about this because I feel two ways. Number one, people should not be assholes in theaters. Like yes. you should not one. disrupt one other rule. people's movie experience. Like that sucks. Okay. Like I full stop. On the other hand, 
I think this is like kind of awesome. I think it's like cool that like people are finding a way to bond around movies. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Movie theaters are facing an existential threat of young people not going to movies. The, right? the only like, thing that will save movie theaters is TikTok memes. Yeah. I mean, it, to to me, it is shocking to me that they would ban this because no, this they're, is they're like causing, one of the like, only being instances. Really disruptive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of the only instances of like one of the. <laughs> Only instances in recent recorded memory where like teenagers have shown any interest in going to movies, right? Uh, that's in, that's in not a big true. way. Other that, than that's other than true. Marvel films, other kids Marvel are still, films. especially right now, for Marvel movies or whatever. But yeah, yes. kids are still going to movies. Like the the age old teen thing of like I got way too much free time and I want to hang out with my friends, and especially down here in Georgia, like you want to go somewhere cold, like cold and air conditioned. Like the theaters, especially since things have spun back up are still super crowded and it's still full of like teens just doing that, just doing mm-hmm. their nightly mm-hmm. hangouts, like going from screen to screen. It, it, it is the same as it ever was. So I don't want to say like, I don't want to be like, well, oh, this is statistically one it's way. not the same as it statistically mm-hmm. the number of movie tickets sold is declining year over year, even sure, pre-COVID. Sure, sure. Pre-COVID, we knew that. But yeah, yeah. but yes, I think you're right. You, uh, you know, I, I take your point that like, it's not like there's no teens that ever go to the movie theater. Uh, I think, you know, for me, it sounds like you're, you're pining for a time that like, is only marginally different, if at all, than like what this phenomenon is. You know, I think this like uh, as people found a way to bond over movies before, so they are doing with this, and this is like barely any different. No, doing it, they're not doing it for the memes. Over it's like the it's, movies. It's they're doing it for the memes about the movies. That is yeah, what I'm saying. Sure, I, I I think I will I will grant you that probably in years past it was like fandom over the movie itself versus mm-hmm. the activity around the movie. Right, like I think kind of. I think yeah. the problem as I see it, Dave, is I wish it was as you describe it. Yes. But I, d- yes. I don't think it is. I think I think the the inherent tacit joke here is, isn't it stupid to go to the movies? <laughs> mm-hmm. Isn't mm-hmm. it stupid to go see Minions? Yeah. Look at how stupid it is. We're going to make fun of that, ironically, by dressing up and showing what a ridiculous endeavor this even is. And that, to me is the joke. The joke is like, yeah. look at how fucking dumb this all is. Mm-hmm. Which is I, I, I always the joke. It's that far. It's more like, imagine dressing up in your Sunday best to go see the Minions. Like, that's the joke. Right. It's not Which like, is, look at how dumb going to the movies in general is. Well, but, I think you know. I, I think there's a, a fine line between those yeah. two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There, there's like this idea of like, why would anyone ever dress up to go to see a movie? Right? Yes, like, yes. There, right. there's like a, I feel like we're like archaeologists looking at fossils and trying to be like, <laughs> <laughs> what's happening like, what now? does this mean? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you have, if someone in your family or are yourself. Are you a teen? Who is, are you a Gen Z? <laughs> you know who you're called. Explain yourself, teen. <laughs> Uh, but let us know what, what your reasoning was behind participating in Gentle Minions and, uh, I am overall in favor of stuff like this. And it sounds like Devendra is not in favor of it. Um, I, I'm and, shocked that you're seeing it, thinking it's so close to uh, genuine love for a thing and genuine affection for a thing. But okay. Yeah, there's we'll, no we'll keep earnestness. Having this argument. But, there's yeah, no earnestness. It, yes. But, but again, I think like there's there's no earnestness, period. Like it's not even like there's there's any, you know. You have not I, been to I, enough screenings, sir. People that's, doing it for the lulls, you know, is like. But that's the problem, it, dude. Yeah, that no, is the I, problem. That's a big yeah. problem. Oh, I agree with that. I can agree that the <laughs> fact that you cannot distinguish between doing it for the lulls and actual love mm-hmm. is a problem. But I, and, I don't think that this, but, and this is a Devin, symptom of that. But like. To Devendra's point, the, the dorks like me. Yes. Who went and stood in line for Star Wars and played uh, lightsaber battles in line and wore the outfits. 
none of those people were doing it for the lulls. None of those people were doing mm-hmm. it to be yeah. recorded. Yes. They were doing it because they actually were so dorky that they thought it was awesome that they could do that. That there was yeah, like, with like-minded oh my God. dorks with I'm like-minded a, yes, friends. I'm yeah. around other people who feel similarly than me and we can finally like come out of the closet. It's true. That, that is the definition of earnestness. Mm-hmm. And that this is the opposite of that. This is the inverse. Yeah. This is pure. Like let's, let's make this thing up entirely for online clout. You know, mm. none of it is real. Nothing is real. Nothing matters. Reality is a is a shadow. I think there's a strong correlation between which one of us is most active on TikTok <laughs> and which one of us is most in favor of the gentle minions. Are you I mean, I, I watch <laughs> I watch a lot of TikTok, Dave, just because you're producing videos. I do watch a lot of TikTok. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. But anyway. Dave yeah. only as, as somebody Dave, who makes a lot of TikToks, you know. I, Dave only communicates with me now through TikTok. <laughs> that's right. It's true. He's like, "This is what I meant to say to you." Yeah. Please, please remix this message to yeah. respond. And yeah. it's yes. not because it's not a TikTok that he made. He's using someone else's TikTok to express what he wanted me to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Minions Rise of Gru. That's one thing Jeff cannot have been watching. Yeah. That's, that's, so that's Minions Rise of Gru. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> may may God have mercy on our souls yeah. and our civilization. I award minions no point, and may God have mercy on souls. Yeah, we're all um, stupid right, for yeah, having. Yeah, you give a shout out to this other thing, right? Uh, I gotta I gotta mention uh, yeah. only murders in the building season two. Uh, I I don't know where I failed in getting the two of you to watch only murders in the building. I I I I, I, I look at myself in the mirror every morning and I ask myself <laughs> that question: like, what? How did you let them down so much? Uh, because it is a uh, a great show. Season two continues to be great. Uh, I will just, uh, I mean, it's it, it's funny, it's smart, it's interesting, it's heartfelt. I will point out one thing from uh, season two. I have watched three episodes so far of season two. Uh, I think the fourth uh, either came out last night or tonight. I haven't watched it yet. But the third episode of season two does something that they did in season one, also, uh, it takes a character that was only there to be a sort of goofy comedic, make fun of that character, and they do an entire episode from that character's point of view, and you under you feel for them, you get to understand their motivations, it humanizes them, it turns them in, from a two-dimensional sitcom character into a three-dimensional beautiful human being. This show is exquisite. It is, there's nothing like it. It's so smart and so fun. It's about podcasting. I don't know why I can't get my co-host to watch it. It's so I, I, good. I have been watching it, Jeff. So, you know, and I'm not fully like cut it. up in season one, but it, it's fine. It, it is a show I will pop on and be like, that is, that is nice and comforting and really funny. Yeah. But I, I don't have deeper thoughts on it yet. True, true, true fact. I literally watched an episode last night of Only Murders in the Building. Um, okay. Well, and I get to stop yeah. talking to myself in the mirror, I guess. Yeah, you I do. feel the same. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like, here's what happened. Um, my wife and I watched one and a half episodes of Only Murders in the Building, like uh, literally five months ago. Yeah, that that happened to us. Yeah, right. And then, and then, it, like, uh, she's like, you know, I, I feel like there's like, a few things we've like haven't finished yet. You know, let's let's finish these things. And it's like Only Murders in the Building, and we t- tuned back in, and I realized it had been five months since I'd watched the last episode. So we watched. The other one and a half, like the next one and a half episodes, finished the episode we were midway through and then watched it. And I feel the same way as Devendra. You know, it's 
pleasant. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm extremely I have an extreme disaffection for true crime these days. Um, that I don't know if the show will overcome. Maybe mm-hmm. it will. Um, but uh, you know, it's. I hope you stick it, with it. Yeah, because there are a couple of episodes toward the end that I think are really special. My, my, I, I wife describes it as a, my wife describes mm-hmm. it as a sick day show, which I kind of agree. Yes, with. Just to say like, yeah, if you're feeling nice sick and you want to binge a whole thing. This feels like the perfect candidate for that. Good, so. nice vibes. I also want to say, like, I really appreciate the uh, the New York vibes of that show because yeah. I think it's set entirely in the Upper West Side. And that was always one of my favorite neighborhoods to, like, go to and walk around because you're right by the park and uh, the best IMAX theater in New York. So, like, it, it does kind of bring me back to being there and dreaming about living in that neighborhood one day, maybe. I don't know. Um, so I, I do like that vibe. And my wife and I will rewatch it, I think, just for that or keep going eventually. I want to say one more thing about season two, which is that. Shirley MacLaine joins the cast. Oh, and she is currently 88 years old. Yeah. And just a force of nature. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. She's awesome. Awesome. Like, I can't believe the energy and the comedic timing that she still brings to bear at that age. It's just awesome watching her work. Awesome. Well, that's only Murders in the Building season two is currently airing right now on Hulu. It's what Jeff Kanata has been watching. All right. Uh, we, we have gone a long time talking about James Cameron and Minions. So I'm going to dramatically abridge my what we've been watching. I'm really sad to lose things. one of those in there, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. um, I will mention two things. First of all, I will say that uh, because of the fact that we do this podcast, I am blessed to be able to subscribe to basically every streaming platform, right? So I have a subscription to virtually everything. Um, and a good way of finding like, uh, like in, in the lead up to the launch of all these platforms, there was basically an arms race from all the different companies to acquire as much content as they could for these platforms, right? Hulu and Peacock and Paramount Plus and so on, right? Like all these places like wanted to get as much content as possible. And so browsing these platforms movie section is a really good way of finding some hidden gems, I would argue. If you're like uh, Apple TV Plus, also bulking up its um, its catalog as well. Mm-hmm. So some of these kind of things that don't necessarily come to top of mind, like Paramount Plus, actually have some great movies on there. And I happen to catch one of them. You know, sometimes when I'm like looking for something to watch, I start browsing uh, Paramount Plus's movie section or Peacock's movie section to see if there's anything else on there that I might have missed. Mm-hmm. And I found a movie called Ascension. This is a documentary uh, by Jessica Kingdon. It was nominated for Best Documentary. And uh, this movie is incredible. It's a uh, movie about modern China that's shot in the style of, like, uh, if you know Ron Frick, the director and cinematographer. Mm-hmm. He made movies like Baraka, Samsara. Um, there's obviously also, like, the Poyanescatsi the, the trilogy, uh, those movies, where there's basically, like, very little dialogue. Um, it's all kind of gorgeously composed shots of modern life is kind of what those movies are uh, in certain places, except in the case of this movie Ascension, the location is just China. Um, so it's all, all takes place in China and it's incredible. It's hypnotic. It's mesmerizing. Uh, it's impressionistic. And it tells the story of what the China, the, the Chinese dream is like the Chinese version of the American dream is mm-hmm. the Chinese dream mm-hmm. is. Um, and it also shows you like what goes into making a lot of our stuff. Like 
there's an amazing portion, like just a brief scene in the movie where like um, they're making keep America great apparel in China. <laughs> there's like a machine and a Chinese worker who's making keep America great, you know, um, apparel. And it's like so much of our stuff comes from China. And you, you realize a few things watching the movie. Number one, like how much manual labor is required for the stuff that you and I take for granted every day. Like, that we acquire on like Amazon or Walmart or whatever, like so much of that stuff has been touched by human hands, you know, that, that um, somebody physically turned that jacket inside out and put it in a pile that shipped it and shipped it to America or, you know, put buttons on that thing or whatever. And you really are struck by the enormity of, of that when you're watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and also like what it's like to try to be socially mobile in China. You know, um, I, I tweeted about, the movie on my Twitter account and Steven Tobolowsky responded. And he said like, this is, this is a movie where uh, companies advertise their jobs by saying um, no standing. You can sit during this job. Like that's, that's the kind of job market they're dealing with is like, it's sitting is like a luxury for a lot of these jobs, a thing that they can advertise because so many other jobs are punishing physically. Um, And so it kind of gives you an insight into, into that world. Um, it's beautiful and just really striking and it will open up your mind and I would strongly recommend you check it out. Uh, I will say um, I wouldn't watch it with your kids. <laughs> there is a fairly you lengthy portion. You don't want them portion. to see what, uh, what being grown up and uh, having to work for a living looks like. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't want to see what these people have to go through. No, um, there is an extended portion of the movie that takes place in a sex doll factory. Um, oh, actually, so you show, they show how like sex dolls are being built, um, and how how actually like it looks dangerous. How they're being like <laughs> they're working with these like hot these hot like glue guns and stuff, and they're using their bare hands on this. Well, stuff. That's where you're pointing like, that thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyway. Um, wouldn't watch it with your kids, but it is really an impressive movie, and uh, it's a movie that probably no one has heard of, if you're li- or very few people have heard of, and very few people know how to watch. But I am telling you, the movie is Ascension, and it is available on Paramount Plus. So check it out <laughs> if you can. And I wanted to give a quick shout out to The Bear on Hulu, uh, also FX. I watched the entire show, the entire yep. season of The Bear. You kind of have to, right? So yeah. good, right? I think it's very, very good. Um, I have some, I have some qualms with it, some qual- some you know, handful of issues with it, but overall, it is really good. It is like a really good show for all the reasons you guys said. Um, I, I, you know, Jeff, you already put the analogy really well. Uncut gems in a kitchen. You know, all the tension that comes with it. The I, I'm always fascinated by kind of other um, mini cultures, subcultures, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, like when I, I, when I used to go to a casino when I was a, a college student, right? I, I would love like the, the language that they all spoke with, you know, like when yeah. you go to a casino, all the floor managers and all, they all speak in a, they, they all have terms, different terms yeah. for each other. Right. And like these tiny um, little vernaculars that vernacular, are vernacular, like lock it up for so-and-so or, you know, yeah. you know, so-and-so over to table six or whatever, you know, like they have my, my wife and I are in, yeah. referring to each other as chef constantly. Thank you, chef. Right, Night, exactly. Um, and th- this is kind of what the bear does. It kind of lets you into this culture, um, but it also has a has a interesting through line as well. Interesting emotional through line as well. Yeah. Um, I've read good about guest how- actor performances, like good guest oh, actors popping amazing, up too. Dude, some good stuff. great performances. Yeah. Great performances. Yeah. I yeah. have read about how this show is not a great Chicago show. Like it doesn't understand. It, there's a lot of <laughs> Chicago B roll in the show, but like uh-huh. that the way the show conveys Chicago is not super accurate. Um, 
And uh, I'm interested in kind of diving more into that. But no Chicago restaurant looks like this. <laughs> uh, well, it's more like the the plate the area in which this uh, like basically the area in which this restaurant is located, uh, and and the kind of um, food that it serves and the the prices that it has are more suitable for what this place would be in like five to ten years ago, right? Like as opposed to what what River North is like today. Um, but other than that, I think, and other than some other issue, issues around like that specifically and around class that I have with the show, it's a great show. It's really worth checking out. Um, it's called The Bear. It's on Hulu. Uh, and I, I strongly recommend it. I, I, I would recommend it to anyone. I will say it's extremely stressful. So, yeah, you know, perhaps the most stressful thing you will see. Well, speaking of stressful shows on Hulu uh, about people's work, uh, I was talking about the bear, but Davinder, I think you also watched a similar show, right? Yeah, this is not on Hulu. Uh, this is AMC Plus. Uh, I've been watching This Is Going to Hurt, which is the new uh, medical show starring Ben Wishaw. Um, it's kind of about um, was it Britain's you know national healthcare system and the issues uh, people and doctors have to deal with there. How it's always underfunded, they're always understaffed, and it's just really, really difficult. Which honestly doesn't look that much different than the way life is for a lot of doctors in the u.s um the only difference is like this is a national healthcare system um this show is a it, it's very much a dramedy like it has funny parts um it, you know ben wishaw does some like direct to camera addressing too to like talk about the situation uh it starts with like you know really if you like a show like ER or even like Scrubs that gets you into like really wacky medical scenarios at times, um, it, this is very much like that. But it also veers from being funny to being like deeply sad at times too and deeply like very dramatic. So I'll say uh, it, it's a hard show to classify. I really like watching Ben Wishaw and uh, you, this is a show that you'll need a strong stomach for uh, because there's there's a lot of blood, there's a lot of guts, there's a lot of like infant parts infants coming out of you know women parts uh things like that so it, it is a very like um brutal show at times while also being kind of funny and life-affirming so hard to classify but i'm really enjoying this is going to hurt uh i will say if you're if you're going through you know pregnancy or waiting for a kid or something like that there are bits of the show that are hard to watch because it does involve like Things things that could go wrong during a pregnancy and how difficult that could be. Um, mm. So if you're if you're worried about that stuff, if that's on your mind, maybe hold off on this for a bit. Uh, but I think it's really good. Ben Wishaw is fantastic as always. It's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, this is going to hurt on AMC Plus. Sorry, Dimitri, I, I thought uh, you know I was on Hulu. You get the like AMC Hulu. through Hulu. Yeah, you maybe. can get AMC yeah. through Hulu, but I don't think you get AMC. But anyway, I got I got a little confused there. But I think they're both similar shows, is my understanding, because they're both deal with stressful people, it's stressful true. situations it's true. in it's the true. workplace. Basically, it is yeah. very stressful. This yeah. is much longer and like much more dramatic. Um, but hey, Ben Wishaw just really sells the hell out of this thing. It just really. You know, if you don't deal with the medical system a lot in the U.S., uh, you may not realize like how insane and crazy a lot of this is. Like we, my wife and I experienced this while trying to have a baby in this damn state. Um, but you you would think like the stories out of the U.K. are much better, right? Because they have nationalized healthcare. There, there's less of like a financial concern for some people but th there's still issues because it's mm -hmm. not a it's not as well funded as it should be there's not enough doctors and it's tough it's tough to be a doctor it's tough to be in the medical profession this show doesn't shy away from the harder darker aspects of it all right um Devinder, what else have you been watching i've also been watching dark winds have you guys heard of this show i have mm -hmm. not 
this is uh this is a sort of like it is a oh Western. yeah it's also an AMC plus right this is also an AMC I've been it going is, on like an uh, AMC Zon plus John McLaren from yes. uh from uh what you call it Westworld Westworld yeah Doctor yeah. Sleep he was uh. He was Crawdaddy, Crawdaddy in uh, in Doctor Sleep. Uh, Zon McLarnon, I I love his face. I've seen yes. him in so many things. Like he is, uh, you know, he's a Native American actor who's been in the business for a while. But often in the '90s, he would like play, you know, roles for other faces because in the '90s they'd cast uh, Latino roles, you know, with anybody who appeared to be brown. So now it is really, really nice to see him in a lead role in a show and he plays a 1970s Navajo police officer who's investigating a uh, kind of a mysterious murder. Uh, this is a show that is very much, um, you know, it, it, it centers on the native American experience and kind of like how they're trying to survive, uh, especially in the seventies. It has a bit of like supernatural bent to it too, because there, there are people who may or may not be involved with witchcraft craft uh supernatural elements could could be involved in that murder too but also starts with a uh an armored truck heist that involves a helicopter there's also kind of like a wild thing i've never seen before so it's very much a like a modern or 70s era western cowboy type of show except through the lens of native americans and i really appreciate it for that because we never we never really get to see these stories told john mclaren i don't think has ever had a role like this so i'm watching it mainly for him i think he is such a great screen presence uh the show itself is it, it is a pretty interesting narrative um i'm watching it mainly because it just feels so unique uh and also because i i've kind of like run out of my uh my supernatural western type of shows i'm i'm done with the whole show you know the, the outer range the whole uh-huh. in, yeah, you're in done the, with the whole the whole you were, I'm talking oh, you were about all hole. about the whole I did like the hole. The hole is done. The, ho- the hole is sealed. I don't know what's going to happen with the hole. Um, you just don't care anymore. What happened? I care. I, I care a lot about the hole. Uh, but this is another no like hole supernatural. Here, Jeff. Oh, on. you're no done with spoilers. the hole. You meaning you finished the hole? <laughs> I thought you meant you're done with the hole. Like I'm done with that. I'm out of here. I'm All right. Hole. Dark winds. Dark winds <laughs> is streaming right now on AMC Plus. He was being. And, I was being uh, legit. I just didn't understand. <laughs> Devendra is. <laughs> into it so far i'm so. into it it is really it's really cool i believe uh george r, r. martin yeah is an executive producer on this too like he it has big names attached to it robert redford is a producer i think you uh, you don't like westerns right jeff is that the story i don't not like westerns it's just not okay. not the first thing not i lead to I, I think it's cool i don't know if it's gonna f- go fully into the supernatural side of things but it is enough for me to see zon mclarnon like just be be a badass cop on his own and try to take care of his people so i'm watching it just for that I will also tell you that by the time you're listening to this, um, there might be some Zon McLaren in Westworld um, this season. So you could c- catch him there as well. Uh-huh. Um, but speaking of uh, like crime procedural stories, there's a show on Apple TV Plus called Blackbird. You guys hear yeah, about this? Yeah, I really want to see that. Yeah, I've heard this is great. Um, this is a thing I'm probably going to check out this week. And Ray Liotta's just, last role. Yeah, one, I think one of his last roles, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I've heard it's great. And also, what's appealing to me, it's a six-part series and mm-hmm. one and done. Like, there's no no second season possibility, as far as I understand. So, um, kind of a fan of that as well. Anyway, uh, that's Dark Winds on AMC+. Plus. Devendra, anything else you watching? I also want to shout out the second season of Tuca and Birdie, which uh, I, I really love that show when it debuted on Netflix. This is the Lisa Hannawalt show. She used to work on Bojack Horseman. Uh, you know, it's about two bird ladies who are friends in, in, in a city filled with animals and birds and plant people. Um, I really love the vibe of season one. It was really great to see that it came back uh, through Cartoon Network. So on HBO Max, you can see the second season 
of Duke and Birdie. You cannot see the first season because that's still on Netflix. Uh, but it's still good. It's still really funny. You know, co-stars Ali Wong, Tef- Tiffany Haddish, and Stephen Yun. Um, it, it really centers on their relationships and how modern adult friendships work and the difficulty of you know starting new relationships in general uh it is a really sweet show it, it is what i was watching as i was like going to bed like just sleeping a lot like taking care of my daughter all day because uh, we both had covid and i would just like watch a couple episodes of this and like get a full eight to nine hours of sleep because <laughs> i i did i was not as worried as much about work stuff and I, I just had to like get up and deal with her all day so she my daughter was my full-time job this was a good like de-stress show even though it could get pretty dramatic at times if you like season one of two Birdie, definitely check out season two it's on hbo max now all right that's what we have been watching this week let's do some weekly plugs Weekly plugs a part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. I have recently rebooted the Decoding Westworld podcast. Uh, Joanna Robinson and I, unfortunately, are not podcasting anymore together. But I did find uh, somebody awesome to step into her shoes, uh, and that is Sidanta Laka. We are podcasting Ooh. about Westworld each week at Decoding Westworld. Check it out at DecodingWestworld.com. And guys, this season actually kind of enjoyable so far <laughs> um I, last season, I, I feel like i'm gonna power through last season just to get to this stuff yeah i don't i don't even know if you need to to be honest i, I like there is a case to be made that you can just like uh-huh, watch uh-huh. a plot summary and skip just, season just three assume uh, uh what's his face is in it now that's all uh aaron paul yeah, yeah. aaron paul's in it Move, but this season so yeah. far i've seen the first three episodes and it's like this is a pretty good show now it could completely fall apart in the final. That's what tends to happen. They always oh, have yes, a, totally. an opening great few episodes. Yeah, but that's what's so. This is what's so fun, Devendra. Is maybe the show is going to become a complete disaster. <laughs> maybe and this time it's still good. It's still yeah. Good. It's still yeah. good. It's still good. But uh, so far, it's been a lot of fun, and um, I'm really enjoying podcasting with Sadanth at decodingwestworld.com. Devendra Hardware, your weekly plug. I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. Uh, we dove into that recent Supreme Court ruling around the EPA and how it can manage, uh, you know, uh, emissions from power plants. And uh, that that is a big deal. It wasn't as bad as people thought it was going to be. I knew a right. lot of climate supporters thought the Supreme Court would kill the EPA entirely. That's not entirely true. It just makes their job a lot, lot harder. So check out this episode for, you know, our chat with that. And uh, we also chatted with, um, I chatted with a reporter from ProPublica. Uh, Lisa Song, who helped me like figure out more about this stuff because she's an actual climate reporter. So check out this episode. Very cool. Um, check out the Engadget podcast. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. Well, I want to tell you about my Cameo account, uh, cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. It's a place you can go and get me to send you a personalized limerick. If you like limericks, if you uh, get a kick out of them, I'm making them for you uh, for a nominal fee. And uh, you can uh, check out my over 100 five-star reviews uh, there uh, on, the, uh, on the old Cameo account. Uh, people really enjoy the, ca- the, uh, the limericks. I make them uh, individual to them, specific, based on your information that you give me. Uh, great for gifts. Great for a pick-me-up of your, for yourself. Whatever you like. Cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. All right. I also want to give a couple shout outs about the podcast. Patreon.com slash film podcast is where you can support this podcast and make sure it keeps continuing. We want to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Of course, we never want you to contribute if it in any way 
causes you any financial hardship whatsoever. Um, you can always support the podcast for free by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leaving us a star rating or review. We really appreciate it. Also, you can use hashtag slash tag on the old Twitters to recommend stuff for us to watch. Often it does make it into the show. Um, and yeah, uh, another shout out for the fact that on next week's After Dark, we're going to be talking about Michael Mann's Thief starring James Caan. Should be a good time. Let's get to our review of Thor Love and Thunder. Kids, get to popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space viking, Thor Odinson. He was no ordinary man. He was a god. After saving planet Earth for the 500th time, Thor set off on a new journey. Well, he got in shape. He went from dead bod to god bod. And after all that, he reclaimed his title as the one and only Thor. Oh, spoke too soon. Jane? The old ex-girlfriend. What's it been like? Three, four years? <laughs> Eight years, seven months and six days. Give or take. My, uh, sensing feelings? Well, you're right. That was from the trailer for Thor Love and Thunder, directed by Taika Waititi. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Quote, Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie Korg and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster to fight Gore the God Butcher, who intends to make the gods extinct. End quote. We are all Taika Waititi fans on the podcast. Um, Hunt for the Wilder People, Jojo Rabbit, uh, Our Flag Means Death. Um, we, uh, what we do in the shadows, like mm -hmm. he's, he's obviously one of the great comedic voices of our time. I think we're all inclined to be rooting for him, all inclined to want to like this movie, especially after Thor Ragnarok, which was a big hit. And also a movie. I think we also enjoyed, if I yeah. recall correctly, also fundamentally like reshape this character in the MCU. Indeed, you know? indeed, indeed. So, uh, all that said, all that context, Devendra Hardwar, what did you think of Thor Love and Thunder? So I'll say up front, I don't think it's as original as Thor Ragnarok, but I had a really good time with Thor 11 Thunder. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty light. It's pretty fun. But uh, let me tell you guys, this movie out of nowhere, and I didn't expect it, this movie made me cry. And it oh. may be because of where I am right now, because I spent uh, the past week isolated with my daughter uh, because we both had COVID. She got it from daycare. And uh, that was just a little rough early on because i was worried about uh, what, what does this mean for her right is she is she going to be okay with it turns out she didn't really have uh very like major symptoms or anything but i still worry every parent worries and i worry about the long-term effects of this thing i think about our society that has completely kind of failed us you know and this movie opens with it's a cold open to christian bale's character who mm. is just like a a dusty, you know, dirty follower, clearly like uh, a follower of, of his particular God. And it this is a guy who's done everything to support his God. And he meets him in the opening scene. And the guy's just a joke, right? The God is like a classic Greek God who could care less about his followers and doesn't care about their actual concerns. So I spent this entire movie being like, you know what? Fucking Gore has a point. Like kill all the gods or at least <laughs> kill this system that has killed his child. And I think that opening scene is really strong. Christian Bale is incredible in this because he starts out um, 
he has gravitas like you put christian bale in anything he has gravitas there's a scene where he the scene where he is talking to the god early on he is like disheveled and dirty and uh you know his face is cut he was trying to eat something so his face is like covered in food and i i think a lot of actors wouldn't do that like they wouldn't make themselves look so decrepit i guess or so messy as he's trying to do this and bale is just like really selling it um i was really into his character and as bale gets scarier too like i kind of felt that i thought he did a really good job there um as a thor story it does seem like a little light like I, i don't know if we really care about the thor jane foster stuff but i do think overall it is really nice to have a way to uh you know, have some justice for Jane Foster. You know, they they got Natalie Portman in for Thor one and two, and uh, what was it? Was it uh, Endgame? It, it was like one of those like br- brought her back in to kind of revitalize Thor: The Dark World. Um, I always felt like that was a missed opportunity, so it was really nice to see she, her. She, she appeared momentarily, in yes. Endgame, but I think it was using footage from one of the yes, that she had already yes, shot yes, before yes, yes. because they had to get. Uh, they had to extract the Infinity Stone from her body. Is yeah, my understanding? I, I don't right? care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm done. <laughs> done with Infinity Stones. Don't talk to me about Infinity Stones. Done with stones the hole. Anymore. Done, with, done the with the hole. Done with holes. Done with stones. stones. Yeah. Um, but it is nice to see Natalie Portman like back here, uh, getting another chance. I think what they do with her character is really interesting too. Oh, overall, this is. It, it feels like a very light Thor story, so it it doesn't feel as like monumental as Ragnarok was. Uh, I, I think a lot of people forget like before Ragnarok, Thor was. Thor was a bore, you know, Thor, <laughs> Thor was not interesting. Like the first movie had some cool fish out of water stuff, uh, but they didn't really know what they wanted to do with this character. And I think it was Taika who unlocked the fact that, you know, Chris Hemsworth can be funny and we can have like, uh, I think by that point, the MCU was like, yeah, we could take some aesthetic uh, risks, you know? So Thor Ragnarok like looked very different than any MCU movie, had a very different vibe. And um, this movie at times tries to recreate that. Uh, with more of the Guns N' Roses vibe, and I, I'm all for that. Like, I'm all for Guns N' Roses. Um, but it, it feels like less cohesive as a narrative than uh, Ragnarok was. But I still enjoyed it. And I think the through line, especially um, especially the gore stuff, and especially, you know, what will you do to protect the people you love? How far will you go? I found that all pretty meaningful. And by the time you get to the end, and we'll talk about spoilers, I teared up a bit. I was like, yeah, that's uh, you, you, you got that part right. You know, like there are some things that this movie didn't quite accomplish, but I think it made me care for the characters we see by the end of the movie. All right. Jeff Kanata, what did you think of Thor Love and Thunder? Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I thought of Love and Thunder is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Thor, Thor Love and Thunder even. That one too. But didn't you? Yeah. Here it goes. Ready? I nearly always find that I like a movie that can manage to strike a balance of action and comedic distraction, but this one might have too much Taika. Ooh. I was Ooh. like, you, you know what would have been funny? Is if you, you know what have been funny? I was like, oh, he's going for the Taika rhyme, but you know what would have been funny is if you rhymed it with something else and it was I, like a. Yeah. It was like funny. a inversion you know yeah a little sub- swerve pulled the rug out from under me you know yeah I mean? yeah um nicely done nicely done, thank Jeff. you i'm mostly... hard to rhyme anything with taika so you, that's what that's... i was going for yeah. the level yeah. of difficulty yeah. um i uh mostly uh agree with davindra i i do think this is two movies sort of fighting each other mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. yeah, yeah uh, yes and it doesn't always work right i think the big broad taika waititi comedy thor thing 
is genuinely funny. Like, you know, screaming goats and go- goofy, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, the zoo stuff, good. The good zoo shit. stuff, the, you know, uh, uh, sort of a, a uh, love triangle with weapons, you know, very funny. <laughs> so good. Very yeah, funny the weapon stuff. stuff is really good. Yeah. Very funny. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is just absurdly talented. Uh, I don't, it's not fair. You can't be that handsome and also funny. It's true, not true. That's yeah. breaks the laws of physics. That's not supposed to happen. Um, he's, he's, he's great. I mean, the cast is, is great overall. And, and I really had fun with the, uh, the Thor comedy movie that we're watching. I had laughed a lot out loud, but there's this other movie that it, it really wants to have its cake and eat it too. And the other movie that is, you know, the sort of serious uh, Christian Bale villain with fangs, uh, yeah, with, with yeah, sharp with like, teeth, yeah, like like what Davinci's talking about with like real stakes and you mm-hmm. know, kid, a kid who he cares about all that stuff. It's weird to have like that tone. He, the gods he's killing are these goofballs, right? It it doesn't quite mesh mm-hmm. well for me. I, uh, I, I kind of like that. I'll just say just because like having having read a lot of like Greek and Roman mythology, you know, like that that was kind of the thing for a lot of those stories. Sure. They're like, save us. And the gods are like, oh, who are you? Why should I care? And sure. it, it is a really weird vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, you know, I, I kind of love that we have this big mainstream summer blockbuster movie that's basically like an indictment of religion on a certain level. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's yes. pretty awesome. Yes. Uh, it doesn't actually have the guts to go there. It's like, hey, it's all the gods, except the, except the ones that will offend people. Except you know? a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, um, I understand that, obviously, but uh, we can have protesters in front of our Marvel movies. But um, – you know, I, I do think that it, it is kind of saying something in that way. And, and I, I got a kick out of that. But ultimately, I didn't I didn't think it landed as well as Ragnarok as far as sort of, you know, combining that Taika Waititi comedic bent uh, with the, you know, the big Marvel kind mm-hmm. of grand adventure story. Because I just felt like they were running in parallel with each other and mm-hmm. never never actually intersected very well. There's have, some... have you read the, the gore stuff, the gore comics, Jeff? Yeah. And um, from what I hear, it's like really brutal, like really yeah, hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. That character is very dark. Uh, and and the movie is yeah. dark. He's scary. He's yes. the scariest mo- looking Marvel villain. But and it's like, just like bites right into up, it. Yeah. Right up against this son of goofball-y stuff, which, yeah. you know, yeah. I have a lot and, of thoughts in, for spoilers, but there are some incredible sequences in this. There's a black and white sequence that's just exquisite, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots to like. There's lots to like. It just didn't really make a cohesive whole for me that um, that worked as a as as one piece. But uh, individ- it, like it wasn't better than the sum of its parts. It was kind of like each part is. I'm enjoying each part, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it didn't add up cohesively to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. I, I'm almost completely there with Jeff, except the parts that Jeff describes as working didn't really work as well for me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like th- this is an anti-Dave Chan movie. Like, it, I, it is very much conflicting vibes all the way through. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, it's... 
I, I, I am fine with the dynamic of like you guys love things and then I kind of uh, take a uh-huh. very mild shit on them sometimes. And that's okay. <laughs> you know, mild shit. I'm okay. I'm okay with that dynamic. <laughs> just a little bit. But, just a, just just a little bit. Shit. Just, just a little bit. Just, a, just like some pebble poops. You know what? You know? I, expected, um, I expected that shit to be more pungent. It's mild. Very mild. <laughs> Very well shaped. It's, it's all it's all one piece. Yeah. Um, the Bristol Myers. Anyway, uh, so the um, this movie I think is fine. You know, like it's okay. It is completely disposable, in my opinion. Like uh, I, I I agree, Jeff, that the tones do not mesh well at all for me. The movie opens as Devinder described, like really, really powerfully. I'm mm-hmm. like, um, watching this opening, I'm like, holy shit. He is really going for it, like this operatic yeah. tone, with, and like incredibly dark. Yeah, like Devinder said, it's 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 a true cold open, like before yeah. the Marvel logo yeah, before the Marvel or anything. Logo. Yeah, 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 exactly. It, and it's I'm like, wow, like holy, like I'm you know you have my attention now, Taika. You know that's that was kind of the way I perceived the opening. And by the way, I'm somebody who really really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. Like I, you know, at this moment, I think it's the best Thor film, and uh, and it's a movie that I I would recommend like it's it's no no qualms about that one uh also Thor Ragnarok had a handful of dark elements I think balanced them far better I agree. than mm-hmm. this movie balanced them right um because it's it's so jokey and quippy to the point where it feels like uh, he, there, there isn't even really respect for this, um, mm-hmm. this core storyline, right? Like it's yeah. like it's it's almost like, hey, like we're the person who's making this almost feel like we're we're better than like these Marvel stories, right? Like we don't we don't need really take these seriously, right? And that's n- like not necessarily terrible. Like you could have gone in that direction, but then you can't have you know, this incredibly dark story with this guy's daughter dying and then also Jane fighting cancer with Mjolnir and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just, it felt like a very unwieldy mix of all these different things together. And ultimately, it didn't work for me. And I have to say, um, I, I know that every movie is a massive effort from hundreds, if not thousands of people. But I think a lot of the movie looks like shit. Like, I just think... Huh. Uh, they sh- they shot it on uh, the volume, you know, like using the same tech they use for like the Batman and Mandalorian. Right, right, right. And it just looks really. Y- you need to you you need to use it judiciously. You know, you need to use it. You need to know exactly how you're going to use it. And I feel like the CG just looks really cheap and obvious for a mm. lot of the movie. Mm. I saw this movie in IMAX, and it just it, the IMAX did not do this movie any favors in my opinion. Like it accentuated how artificial everything felt uh, and not in like a way that I felt was stylish and intentional. Mm-hmm. So well, I really I, you know, I, yeah. Dave, just to comment on that, I, I don't completely agree with you. Cause I thought there were certainly lots of the movie that, that looked great. Yeah, yeah. But I did have the thought as I was watching it of like watching this, I kind of understand why people are going to see Top Gun Maverick yes, in droves. Exactly. Exactly. You it's want like, something real. At a know, certain like, point, like this is all we've been getting is is this. Yes, and, yes. and when you see something like Maverick and you go, Oh, I get it. It it feels grounded in I mean, it's exactly what, what Tom Cruise has been saying for all these years. But yeah, and I walked right. out of it going, I, I kind of get it. I understand why Top Gun Maverick is gonna be the number one movie of the year. I, I literally was like, I wish I could be watching Top Gun Maverick on this IMAX screen instead <laughs> of like this movie, right? Um, but 
I, not I everything can be Top Gun Maverick, guys. It's okay. <laughs> It's I will okay. agree with you no, that um, there yeah, are a yeah. handful of like really beautiful moments in the movie, you know, like, and, and that's the thing is like, I, I think as evidence in Thor Ragnarok with um, the, the, uh, what's her name? The Hela stuff, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all, all that, like all that mythology stuff and these tableaus are just amazing. And there's a handful of those really amazing tableaus in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the entire movie looked terrible. It's just, it's just like, there's so many scenes where it's very obvious. We're just watching these people, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, instead, like kind of have dialogue in front of a CG background and the CG background doesn't look great. And it feels like very little effort has been made to make mm-hmm. it feel real. You know, I do. I do um, appreciate his use of color. Like he is somebody who has definitely pushed the Marvel palette more, I think, than true. anybody else. So I, I still appreciate that. But I didn't yeah. I didn't really notice the artificiality of it. But I'm also just so used to it, too. And the, mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. God type of stories like, you know, I'm, I'm used to the B movies. I'm. I, I, I grew up watching like Hercules and Zena and stuff too. So right. Like, I, right. I want this stuff to kind of look a little campy. And I yeah, think yeah, it, yeah. Get, it got that vibe. Yeah. I, I will say this. I don't think this is the worst Thor movie. And I think the no, reason I, yeah. I sound like I'm more down on it is because you have Marvel, uh, you know, with all like, I, I think in Thor, the dark world that around that time when that came out, they're still figuring out their shit. Right, they still F- don't phase know what's two going. was a mess. Phase two, right? Was, they had no idea what they were doing. I think. Now, yeah, I, I think phase four is its own kind of mess, and I'd like to talk mm-hmm. with you guys about that in the in the uh, not not after like, in the spoiler section. But but yeah, they were still figuring shit out. Like no one had ever done it before, and obviously no one has ever done a phase four before either. But uh, I was much more. Um, I, I guess I feel like less forgiving because. This movie, you also have Academy Award winner Christian Bale, Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Yeah, you have presumably yeah. a great deal of resources. You have Natalie Portman in this movie as well. I don't remember if she's won an Academy Award, maybe. Um, and so you have like all this talent, and uh, I, I just wanted this to be a, a, a knock it out of the park kind of movie, you know? And it was only okay at best, in my opinion. And, knocked it in the park. <laughs> it was a solid single, possibly a double, uh, when I was hoping for a grand slam. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and for that reason, I think like I was like uh, more disappointed than than otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll also I, say I don't feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, yeah, it looks like a, she did win an Academy Award, so I, uh, she was nominated for uh, Closer, and uh, she won Best Actress for Black Swan. So um, Academy Award winner Natalie Portman. Um, I will also say I don't feel the movie lives up to its promise of the title and marketing, which is Thor Love and Thunder. This is going to be like an 80s style visit. It's going to be in the right, vein right. of those 80s, 80s action rock movies. Opera. Yeah. You know, like rock opera, like, you know, yeah, um, it's not that heavy metal or, mm-hmm. you know, Masters of the Universe or stuff like that. And it's like um, the songs they chose were the most thuddingly obvious songs. I know there are songs that Taika Waititi has talked about Mm-hmm. being like important to his childhood yeah you know i love guns and roses and sweet child of mine in paradise but i have heard those songs like five yeah. million times yeah and, i thought when yeah. when november rain came in i was like okay well now we're a little bit deeper into the yeah yeah <laughs> the, the discography the yeah, yeah exactly but i i think overall like i was expecting oh like a you know in, in the same way that ragnarok kind of opened my eyes to like what a Thor movie could be in terms of its tone and and how bright and wacky and vivid it was. I was like, Oh, maybe this will do the same, but like inspired by the eighties and Mm -hmm. that that just never really came up. 
It seems I, I like a it, layer that came, that came on in post, like the, a marketing yeah. layer rather than yeah. an actual layer that was in the movie. Yeah, the like it is key to the final line of the movie and yeah. everything. So like well, it, true. it clearly true, is yeah. the construction of the movie. Uh, I, I think he had a lot of ideas, right? He had a vibe mm-hmm. he wanted to go for, and maybe he couldn't quite gel them all together. I also wonder, like, Taika is very busy now. He's very busy. Ta- Taika's doing, he's everywhere he's doing so many things he's yeah, prepping but, a star wars movie. like it, it it is wild where i think the benefit that he had with ragnarok is like he, he was coming on as the hunt for the wilder people guy yeah right you know like a very small scale guy like an indie director coming into the marvel universe and now he is like he has his fingers in so many pies and i wonder for like we're like starting to feel that sort of like creative dilution uh maybe i don't know we don't know but i, I have noticed that yeah, um, in the New York Times profile of Taika Waititi that ran recently, he says, quote, on TV, uh, Taika Waititi has had a hand in the FX comedies Reservation Dogs as co-creator and What We Do in the Shadows, which mm-hmm. is based off of uh, the movie that he co-directed and co-wrote, and the pirate as, as well as the Shadows spinoff, Wellington Paranormal. At the movies, you can hear him play uh, voice a good guy in Lightyear or see him play a bad guy in Free Guy. He's also editing Next Goal Wins, a soccer comedy drama that he co-wrote and directed for Searchlight, and he's writing a new Star Wars movie and a Time Bandit series for Apple TV+. And co-starring he's, in The Pirate Show and Our Flag Meets Death. And Our Flag Meets Death. He's preparing too, yeah. two rolled doll projects for Netflix and adapting a graphic novel by Alejandro Hodorowski and Mobius yeah. for a feature film. So the dude is busy and this and a and, partridge in a pear tree. Attached to Akira. I, I am you know? really glad that he is getting all this work and I support you mm-hmm. know I, I support him as a creator, but it just feels like not that much effort went into this one. Um in terms of like making all these styles gel and in terms of the stuff that I talked about about like making it more like like aesthetically like what the marketing promises. Um, I'm sure like people worked really hard on this movie, but this to me feels mm-hmm. like a miss. So thank you guys. Thank you for indulging me and letting me say all that. And now I'm happy to talk more about uh, what you guys liked uh, in spoilers. <laughs> so let's get to it. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret you want to be fooled. I will say the final sequence did work for me, right? Mm-hmm. The arc, Which final sequence? Well, the not the post credits, not the Blorco stuff. No, I'm but just not, not him and the kid, him and the kid but, making breakfast. Him, yeah, that's like, my every day. That is my every day. Child not wanting the breakfast they just requested, and me trying <laughs> no. to drag my child out the door. Wear yeah. the right goddamn so shoes. Funny. Yeah, it's a, uh, so that's true. actually not what I was referring. I was referring to the like uh, Christian Bale meeting Eternity yes, yes, and yes. Uh, and Jane kind of good dying stuff. in Thor's good arms. Scene. Good yeah, scene. It's a, yeah, it's a good scene, and it looked good. Like the way the the aesthetically with the water and everything, mm-hmm. like is a cool idea. I, um, I would say th- there is one like glaring plot hole there. Where it was like you're you're going to the the magic wish genie at the center <laughs> of the universe. You're like you can't wish her cancer away. You can't like try. You can't at least have that thought. <laughs> Like, I know it'll save Jane. Ask well, I think for it, the wish. It, it, well, that's to take the whole point. That's the whole point. Only the first, isn't it only the first guy that gets yeah, there? Yeah, he, he only gets one wish. Yeah. That's the whole point yeah. is that he used that we were lead, leading, mm-hmm. we were led to believe that he might give up his wish and use it, but he, he actually did wish for his daughter. Yeah. But, well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying Thor. I don't Thor doesn't like, get one. It's only Thor the first person. Only the first guy that gets there gets a wish. So, okay. It's. He's a he's a one wish genie for only one, one, one wish genie. Yeah. Can I can I tell you guys something about that? Does he reset? Sequence? Does he have like a cooldown? <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> well, no one's ever been there. Yeah, they know yeah. how to get there. 
everybody has the bi like he has the bifrost like his father had it like this is not this is not a full unknown here i, I have a lot of questions about uh, yes. eternity well yes, the mechanics of the wishing yes. is very unclear i agree but i want to i want to say something about that ending yeah uh, <laughs> that was unique for me in that moment watching it nobody else is going to have this experience but, <laughs> uh spoilers for my own show the dungeon run oh, uh-huh. oh boy uh-huh. but the end of the dungeon run is almost exactly the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, so again, spoilers for the dungeon run. If I, I would love people to watch the dungeon run all the way through and get to the we end of for it, the so, movie adaptation too. Like, a, but you know, lots the, of spoilers going on. There is a um, <laughs> there there's what happens at the end of the dungeon run is, uh, they reach they go they go to this this place called the void and they meet uh. A, a person who's in the void uh, that is known as the void warden. And years ago, actual years ago, when we were still in the, in the studio doing that show, I had to, I, we were going to build a physical model of the void warden. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I had to send reference photos to the prop builder. And I sent them a picture of eternity from Marvel comics. Huh? I said, that's what I want it to look like. I want it to look like a big black thing with like all the galaxies inside mm. it. Here's a picture from Marvel Comics of Eternity. That's what I want it to look like. And the idea at the end of the dungeon run is that there is one wish that the players get to use and how they're going to use it is the big question. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like this is like this, my ending that I did years ago. <laughs> <laughs> they did it in the movie. I, it was very strange for me. Did he, but, uh, yeah, maybe Taika saw saw some of your stuff. Yeah, well, and, I, mean, uh, I doubt got, it. Got some inspiration there. Well, um, I, I do have deeper questions about eternity in general uh, outside of this movie. You know, I'm just always thinking about it. But uh, <laughs> as we as we learned in the Eternals, so, uh, the, these other dudes like created the the universe and the planets. And, uh, how is it? How does that all relate? Well, yeah, the thing that makes no sense. Yeah. Is, uh, my understanding of the Eternals was like they were responsible for the Greek right, gods. Right. Right. Right, so Zeus was like, uh, it was like one of the eternal. Zeus is like one of the Eternals, basically. Like I think we fought, saw like, one of the one of the like tall. What do you call them? The tall, like giant planet, planet holding type of things. Uh, we celestials? saw then. Oh, yeah, we saw celestial. celestial like as they were blasting out of uh, the Zeus the Zeus zone. Right. So. Nothing since Eternals has connected to Eternals in any way. Yeah. As far as thank very goodness. Concerning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I like that movie. I like that I movie more than this movie, honestly. Although no one, I, that, that people will take that opinion to completely invalidate yeah, mine, and that's fine. You, you know what? <laughs> you just you just like I, I was I was giving you the benefit of the doubt here, Dave, and yes. then you just said that. At least the like, Eternals was interesting. That's kind of my. I, but I know a lot of people don't feel that. At way least this one has characters we care about. <laughs> yeah, this like that's all. That's all it comes down to. Characters I care about, and I think this yeah. one succeeds at that. I will say that final scene is is really well done and just shows like, goddamn, is Christian Bale the goat? Like he is just mm-hmm. like he he will spend this entire movie. Um, first of all, uh, getting us to root for him at the beginning, uh, being a terrifying boogeyman uh, to, throughout, and then that scene where he's just like trying to like be with the kids in a fun like either scare them but also like try to try to like hey I had a daughter too I know how it is kids <laughs> I thought that was all kind of hilarious because he he was both scary and trying to, like it was funny at the same time. But then by the end of this, he's just like, I, uh, yeah. So focused on revenge, didn't think about what what else I could do. Uh, that seems that he just well played. I did not expect the movie to go there at all. Did you guys? No, I. But again, it's 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 kind of a part of the issue for me is that it's, mm-hmm. it's just how 
I, I kind of, it, you kind of get whiplash in this movie a bit from just like, wow, what, what tone are we in right now? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but for, yeah. there's so much to like. I, I mean, yeah, I, I brought up that, that black and white sequence, uh, which Beautiful. I thought was awesome and really cool, clever. Yeah, really cool idea. And, and I actually like the execution of that one. Yeah. And the, mm-hmm. like the moment before when they arrive on that planet and you see the, you know, the chariot going toward the planet and then it just hits the planet yeah. like freaking, um, uh, what's that old movie with the Lumiere brothers? Lumiere yeah. brothers, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, clearly a reference to that, and and it just like the a perfect example of just how zany this movie is. It's it's mm-hmm. truly mm-hmm. just a goofball comedy on a certain level. You it's know, goof, it's goofball, yeah. and it can be really sweet. Like I I still had a hard time buying the like you know uh, Jane being Thor's true love and everything, but I think that that sort of like relationship montage we got does. A lot of lifting. It does a lot of work that we didn't did not see at all in the first yes. two Thor movies, or honestly, in, in any yeah. other part of the yeah. MCU. So it had to do a lot, and I thought it was pretty. Like it, it is a little, it's a little capsule of their mm-hmm. relationship, and I think it kind of it did kind of work. I just wish like they had laid. They had so many movies, so many movies <laughs> to lay any of this groundwork. It, it would yeah. have been nice yeah. to have a little more. Yeah, yeah. I did yeah, also yeah. think it was pretty Im- impressive that one of the most impactful things in the movie, which is. Uh, Jane turning into the mighty Thor mm-hmm. happens off screen. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was interesting. It was really, uh, it was the yada, yada, yada to her transformation into Thor. And it's like, okay, I kind of give you a lot of credit yeah. for that, actually. I and think that's she, impressive. She, she just, she vo- she verbalizes it, but they never like flash back to it. She's like, you know, I got there and some lights flash and uh, <laughs> now I'm a Thor. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was cool. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you get it. You get it. She, you, you know, we see her with the, the thing. And now she's Thor. Don't worry about it. He told Mjolnir to protect her. And it's like, that's it. That's all the groundwork you kind of need to kind of make it make sense. Yeah. By the way, uh, it's the movie that we were talking about is A Trip to the Moon. And it's not Lumiere Brothers. I apologize. It's directed by George Meliès. Meliès, yeah. All the the cinephiles. uh, Stop with the emails. Um, Yes. I have corrected it. but We gave heart attacks to a lot of cinephiles. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, So... Natalie Portman, I it, it didn't really work for me. Her performance, I mean, in the movie, her, like her she's not really, she doesn't really do comedic roles that much. And so mm. this is her first kind of one of the first times I've seen her try it, and it just didn't really, you know, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't work for me. I didn't. Yeah, she, she. I mean, she, yeah. she, especially lately, has kind of been in more of like a serious mode i'm thinking like post thinking like annihilation and uh what was the other one not even lately well, like, yeah. Are, like yeah since i think she's professional is an enormous, <laughs> since, yeah the professional she's an enormously talented actress um uh annihilation she's in vox lux a movie i hated but she was good yeah. in it yep 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 um trying to think you of know, and obviously else. black swan and the professional right and so like mm-hmm. most of her career has been serious roles i don't know the it just it it felt to me like someone Try it, it made me actually appreciate Chris Hemsworth more because I'm like, oh wow, it's actually hard to kind of shift this to, mm-hmm. to, to, to take this kind of comedic tone in this kind of movie. It's actually like tough, and I think Hemsworth made the switch like pretty easily mm-hmm. uh, going to Ragnarok. And I don't know that. Well, he, Portman, he, he who by the way is juggling vibe. a cancer storyline in this. Yeah, movie, you know, that's rough. like is able to make it is able to make that transition successfully um, for me. That's but, rough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, like the parts that were really compelling were, were were that stuff, the more serious stuff. I thought she like handled that really well. Um, yeah, and I, that's I, I that's what it she completely. does. It's like very much her in like annihilation mode. Also, like Jackie 
which is a movie where it's a lot of her like feeling serious and like yeah, being and very internal something's about wrong stuff. with yeah. her character or something has gone wrong in the world yes. around her character yeah. and she's like uh she you know brooding about it or something and she's Psychologically like really good complex yeah but yeah Did, and i and i was hoping that this oh this is really going to be a stretch for her and i was hoping to like really love her mm-hmm. performance and um it didn't it didn't ultimately yeah. work for me big year highness erasure over here guys <laughs> oh yes wow i apologize that's my bad she was, that's, she that's was your good bad. in that i liked her in that she, she was fun did you guys see uh the interview with taika where he was talking with natalie portman he's like i'm doing a star wars movie uh oh, you so ever funny. thought about being in a star wars movie <laughs> imagine like, I did, doing I did that. three of them <laughs> imagine doing that and she's like yeah, i've been in them man <laughs> yeah. it's kind of all about me <laughs> yeah but, oh yeah, yeah i forgot i forgot about those ones <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, you were in the uh, bad ones. Oh, right, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. I, and then he was like, oh, I try to forget those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, right, folks, this movie yeah. made me a little worried about Taika in a Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, g- give him time to be on. Yeah. Like, it, be doing something new and being able to start from a clean state, too. Like, he's he's massaging the, the gore plot line in here, too. And I don't know. I don't know, like, what was his idea? Like, what to go with? You never know what these movies. Like, what, yeah, you, what you was their know, like, What is thing? Kevin Feige versus, yeah. you know, what is Kevin Feige bringing it to it versus what is the director bringing it to it? It's possible that he's, that Taika is not responsible for any of the issues of this movie. You know, I don't it's know. possible that it was all yeah. foisted upon him. You know, who knows? Who knows? Good, good thing um, he can go to a uh, strings-free franchise like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> with Nothing. absolutely zero downside. I tell you what I'm really up. excited about, though, is that Time Bandits show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Love me well, he's attached to Kira as well, and like, if anybody can kind of get that vibe, you know, like it could be him. He, he yeah, could I thought it. he dropped out of Akira. I don't know. I don't know. I just still see it on IMDb. So yeah. Um. Okay. I want to ask you guys about where we are in stage four right now because mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges of this movie is. Um, uh, to me, it feels like Marvel is flailing a little bit in stage four. <laughs> I'm just gonna say. I mean, here are the movies that have come out since stage three ended. Um, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Multiverse of Madness, um, Spider-Man, No Way Home, and then this movie. Um, and I, I don't mean, know, dude. I that's know a you pretty guys like good slate. I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty yeah, good slate. You guys slate. like multiverse, but like I thought the last this movie and that movie were like pretty did, rough. Oh, multiverse I, is so good, dude. Yeah. I, I, I also don't remember t- you terrible, disliking but, it a lot, but okay. All right. Oh, me dislike. Yeah, I mean, I I did not um, like that, that is not the full- opinion I recall you express. I did not you- bring my fullest self to that review. <laughs> now you're now you're you're sneaking in an actual opinion here. You're, you're <laughs> what? Ret- retroactively downgrading the movie? Uh, not I mean, just in my own eye. You guys said what you said, but I uh-huh. mean, I I thought that movie was pretty bad. And uh, wow, and I I'm I will shocked. say this, <laughs> between think- this and your eternal statement, I. Uh- <laughs> I have to take a seat right yeah, now. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I think that... Um, if only this movie and uh, Doctor Strange were more like Eternals. <laughs> well, this is the thing that, that that sticks in my craw a bit, Dave, is because you're in the, in the previous phases, as we reviewed them, um, yeah. one of your biggest complaints was, oh... It's all blue beam and sky. Everything's true, the true. same. There's the no samey. Yeah. Mar- Marvel's not taking any chances, not taking any risks. And you just li- listed off a bunch of movies, very risky, very different from one another. Mm-hmm. Really cool, eclectic mix of movies. It's yeah, a, it's I, a mixture. 
You know, you know I yeah. actually think you're right. I think it's just the last two ones that I've had an issue with. But let me <laughs> let me bring let me bring this up. Let me bring this up. So I think you're right. You're right. Overall, I think they're, they're taking big swings. Yeah, I, I think I, bigger I, swings. Okay, yes. of those movies I listed, I actually like more of them that I don't like. There you okay. go. Than I dislike. Right. Yeah. So that's that is a fact. I you have to acknowledge though, right? Please maybe you don't. Maybe you're not going to acknowledge this, but you have to acknowledge that it felt a little different when it felt like we were building up to I agree. Infinity War. I right? honestly, I mm-hmm. one of my. I think my biggest disappointment with phase four as it stands now, especially when we sort of saw the list of titles, uh, uh, including Mm -hmm. the TV shows, I really felt like everything was going to point towards a multiverse Kang type of thing. Which they are. Where was Kang in this movie? (laughs) Where was Kang in Multiverse of Madness? That's the bigger one. Is like, where was Kang in Multiverse of Madness? Where was Kang in... No way home. Where you know, like yeah. all this stuff that has to do with multiverses, yeah, felt like a missed opportunity to sort of seed all that stuff. A- every moment you don't have Kang, you want to be asking, "What's up with Where- Kang? <laughs> Where's, Where's Kang? Kang? <laughs> I need a little Kang." Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and and so yes, it, they are much more eclectic in that they don't feel like they're focused toward one end point, and that yes. may be frustrating. Uh, but mm-hmm. I do think, like it, it directly addresses. Your previous complaint, which yeah. is these these movies are doing different things. My, Hello. my daughter just walked in the room asking if I want an ice cream. Hey. Yes, <laughs> do you want an ice cream, Jeff? Yes, uh, the answer is always yes. Are you, yes. Are you making ice cream for everybody? <laughs> what do you think about Phase Four, Zoe? Huh? What do you think? Are you working on? I'm working on my show. I'm doing my my job right now. Can we? <laughs> is she afraid of the god I butcher? The I would like to know. <laughs> Don't press the button. Get, what do you think about phase four, Zoe? Please. Please, you want to push the buttons? No, you got. I have to keep working, baby. You got to go. I'm sorry. Can Can you make um some ice cream for your brother or for Emily? No, I'm not making ice cream for you. Not for me, sweetie. I can't have ice cream right now. I'm Please. sorry. I'm sorry, guys. One second. I'm, okay, I apologize no worries. for this. Hang That's on how it goes. We should keep a lot of this in. Right oh, back. yeah. Yeah. No question. And <laughs> So Jeff, you're back. Um, yes, I don't remember what I was saying. And, and uh, we'll keep most of that in the podcast, but <laughs> got to uh, keep it in. I, you- I, I, I will continue from what Jeff was saying, though. Like I feel yeah. like I love the eclecticness of what is happening now. Like a lot of this is stuff Marvel should have done, like before what 25 movies or something like uh, having an actual woman led one or an actual asian american uh an actual asian you know superhero um yeah. but i'm I, glad I mean, that I'll, not I'll everything this, yeah. my, my favorite part about phase 4 has been yeah. um how little there has been in connection to the other movies like yes. that's these 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 movies for all that they are their failings they're trying to tell independent stories mm-hmm. you just said you're mad that they're not leading up to something well it's it's the lead up like you could kind of do a reset and lead up to king i i don't want everything to be leading up to king like i, I get it he's a big deal we're, we're gonna have some multiverse shit at some point like let, let's have a few of these stories let's have like a palette cleansing you know bit before we get to uh what, what is the next one like quantum probably Probably the Ant-Man and Wasp one. Quantum Mania is going to be a big Kang thing. I don't think uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever will, but we, we shall see. Um, but yeah, by then, by the time you get to Ant-Man and the Wasp next year, Guardians of the Galaxy next year, the Marvels next year, then you could be like, okay, let's let's start building up to Kang. Let's get everything Kang. Well, I but guess, I don't, but I don't I, mind having this. Well, time. hold on, Jeff. Let me, just, let me just let, let me just like respond to that critique, right? About how it's not leading up to something. I mean, the way that phases one through two and three kind of led up to something was sometimes clunky, but mostly subtly, like mostly in these post-credit sequences, right? In 
you get, catch catch like glimpses of Thanos, and then oh, he wants these stones, and then oh, finally Thanos appears and basically gets his own like origin story movie. Um, like that's kind of how it felt like it was building up. But many of those movies also felt pretty standalone. So uh, there was like a, a standalone story, and then oh, by the way, we're sprinkling in a little bit of um, like kind of meta through line here. Whereas uh, I feel like Phase Four. Uh, hasn't felt like it's really going anywhere. And also I will confess that I am factoring in um, my uh, perception of the TV shows into that as well. Right. Like mm-hmm. uh, I've watched most of the Marvel TV shows. Uh, except the best one. You except that. the best one, Miss Marvel. Yeah. And, um, and I felt like I've been burned by them. I felt like most of them have been extremely disappointing to me. So like, yeah. so that's also feeding into my kind of uh, perception on where it's going. So anyway, I just, you may not, find that satisfying but i wanted to just at least uh, acknowledge that criticism well to be clear phase one was leading up to the avengers movie right yes. the phase one is let's establish all these individual heroes and then we're going to lead up to them all being in the same movie together that was that was phase one so we, we mm-hmm. weren't really talking about thanos yet but um uh, you know I, I i obviously am on record and still believe that you know the the infinity saga is the greatest yes. cinematic achievement of all time um, and so I am definitely, I think even more critical of the fact that this doesn't seem to have a clear destination. Uh, that for me is a, is a loss. Like I, you know, Davinja, you say, well, you know, the Ant-Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. you know, that's where we're going to start building up to King. But on paper, looking at a movie called Multiverse of Madness, I would have thought that's where we're starting with, with the yeah, King stuff. Yeah, yeah, So. I don't think anything's guaranteed. And, and I, I'm a little disappointed that dealing all with all of this multiverse stuff, literally the only Kang stuff we've had so far is in the Loki TV show. And yeah, that seems odd to me. You know, we had literally two big, huge movies, no way home and the Dr. Strange movie that were all about this concept of, of, of a multiverse. And yet we haven't seeded anything. And, and I think that's, I think that's a missed opportunity. And, and yeah. I'm hoping that we get more of that because I like that feeling of, of it all being essential and then leading up to something. Yeah. But I also do believe that this slate of movies that you just read off as being part of phase four, you know, other than Eternals has, I think has been really fantastic and just yeah. showing that Marvel studios is willing to not rest on their laurels and just try to repeat the same thing over and over. They're actually stretching and pushing the envelope and doing different things and doing interesting stuff. Like the Dr. Strange movie is so different and weird and fun. And, and I think honestly, this Thor movie different and weird and fun. And I like the fact that they're willing to get weird with it and not do the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. Like it is more like just it feels like they're freer, basically. Like yeah. they're they're less restrictive. Playing with house money. Yeah. So they they kind of know like uh or maybe they went into this thinking like nothing can fail, right? We we could just go all the way. And there have been some stumbles. I I don't know if they're gonna like um treat any of these other movies differently, like post Eternals, like kind of kind of not doing well at the box office, but they have enough surefire hits. Like people are going to come see Thor. People are going to go see Black Panther. I don't know about Ant Man, but Guardians is certainly going to be a big hit. So it, it seems like they know they they know that they can be certain that some of these things will work. So now they can just be a little freer, and I appreciate that. The other thing that's crazy that we haven't even mentioned about this movie is that there's an entire Guardians of the Galaxy sequence at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> I mean, is mm-hmm. it? 
that's just is, is it really to me yeah. that's wild it, it's just wild to me that we can have that like these all very expensive actors yeah you know this entire other cast can just be there for 10 minutes you know it's it's pretty wild to me that that that's the reality we're in mm-hmm. um yeah i think you articulated really well jeff which is that like it feels like there's some missed opportunities to to kind of put in stuff around Kang and building building up to what will hopefully be a huge confrontation. There's many things factoring into that, right? One of them is probably COVID. You know, mm-hmm. COVID delayed a bunch of TV shows, delayed mm-hmm. a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I sympathize with them because they're probably struggling to to keep up with a lot of those changes. So um uh, but it's led us to this current situation. And I will agree. I I liked more of those movies that I listed than I didn't like them. So um but yeah. It just it just does kind of feel like where where are we going yeah. here? Like, it, 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 I, I agree that there is not much of a direction. That, that's here, that's all right? I'm saying. Like, that's, that's all I'm saying. All, I'm not saying the movies are bad. I'm just saying like I, I compared to how we felt in season, phases one through three, it just feels like mm-hmm. it, we're kind of adrift a little bit. You know, what I, I, mean? I, I, I do remember a lot of like was that technically phase two, <laughs> like Iron Man two and Thor two and everything. I guess. I guess. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Phase yeah, two was, was like, pretty rough. Phase two that was, was post Avengers. That was like. We don't know kind of what we're doing. We know Thanos is coming. We kind of don't know how to wrap all this together. Uh, let's just do kind of like generic sequels and kind of see where things go. And that was yeah. rough. And it is nice to see, like, I think at least creatively, like, there, it's a lot more interesting now. Uh, this movie, not a complete success, but certainly takes some swings that I never expected. Like, I think Gore as a villain is something I, I kind of never expected from Marvel because he is, he, he is very sympathetic, but he's also terrifying. The design of it, I can't imagine like what it took for for Christian Bale. Like uh, th- that doesn't. That's he's not basically like a suit continuing that can see his machinist on. diet regimen. Exactly, his <laughs> machinist diet, but also the teeth, the like the like skin marks and the tattoos and everything yeah. like that. I, I don't. Know. This is look like, like a six hours of makeup a day, basically. Yeah, it doesn't look like a character that could just throw CG on to make all this happen. Yeah. Like this, they can for the unlike suits. Thor's helmets. Yeah, <laughs> in this movie, <laughs> nanotech helmets, baby. Yeah, yeah come on and off, whatever we want. Killing me, yeah. killing me with the nanotech yeah. helmet. Yeah. Um, oh. I, I want to point out a couple of things. Uh, the the Zeus stuff, k- k- kind of good. I kind of like what uh, Russell Crowe was putting down there, even though uh, uh, I I don't know if it's makeup. I don't know if it's like just Russell Crowe being like, I'm not going to work out for this. Deal with it. Like I, this is me. No, this that's, is Russell Crowe. That's what he looks like. These this days. is the He's... first crow. This is the full crow. You know, I mean, Zeus, that's what Zeus is. Now. Zeus is kind of, you know, he's kind of Falstaff. You know what I mean? He's kind of, <laughs> but uh, his his accent, the, the way he like yeah. did the character, I thought was a lot of uh, he was having fun with it. And I, I feel like Taika Waititi is the only director that would let Russell oh, yeah. Crowe use that accent. No, that was probably his idea. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm going to uh, need a little like Greek, uh, Greek, Greek uncle. Thing going <laughs> we're going to yeah. hire yeah. Russell Crowe and we're going to make him not sound anything like Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to put. I want to say one more thing about the last topic, which is sort of the the destination thing. Yeah, um, I think part of what we're feeling is that there isn't even a uh, obvious team that we're leading to. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because yeah. with the Avengers, everybody knew what the Avengers were. Right, it's it's clear that Captain America mm-hmm. and Hulk and Thor and all these we're yeah. building to the Avengers. Right, and the Infinity Stones were like a very easy MacGuffin. To put together yes whereas mm, yes now. but it's like uh, are we are we building to another avengers team is there going to be a team up movie of any kind is you know right is there the I, defenders I see, like there- shang shang chi and uh and dr strange and wong like teaming up like that that could mm-hmm. be a thing right right but, like, 
But what? How does Thor fit into any of that, if at all? Exactly. You know? right. And, and yeah. all of it, it's all very nebulous and and uncertain. So I feel like there isn't even a uh, a sort of meta understanding of of where we're headed on just a pure like how do yeah. these characters relate to each other level, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which was in place already just because of you know sixty years of comic books. We we also yeah. don't have like um I think for those early phases like you know uh, Joss Whedon was kind of like guiding things after a point towards towards avengers and maybe after two and then it was like the russo brothers like um it's all feige but like it, it does feel like we we don't i, I don't know what the creative uh push yeah you're, you're is saying like the, yeah. there there felt like a strong directorial voice yes. in uh, a lot of that stuff that doesn't feel the case right now um, right right and uh yeah We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see. Hey, anyway. I, I'm I'm all open for like new things. Like there's yeah. a lot of uncertainty here. And yeah. when Marvel laid out their like 10 year plans, like we got all these bangers, all, all these franchises. <laughs> Who knows what's coming up with X Men? But we we'll get them. Don't worry. It did feel like um fate was written in a certain way, right? Right. right. Like, and, and now yeah, and I just it's not I, as it kind of felt like at this point by this time after these like six or seven movies and five uh-huh. TV shows, we'd have a clearer idea of where it was all going and. Hasn't happened yet for a variety of reasons, but mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. We so, see. At the end all of the day, I, all I care yeah, about is Fantastic Four, guys. Yeah, I just want that movie to I be mean, good. That would be good. But I also want to shout out the final scene. Like, um, it, the moving on is going to be Thor, Thor and Kid, which mm, I, I'm not yeah. sure was a thing in the comics, but that scene was just like, um, you know, it, it is every morning with me and my daughter because I'm especially when we were like dealing with COVID together. It's like it, me just like okay, eat this thing. That you just requested, please, yeah. please take care of yourself. Please, or or just now on the podcast, this happened. With Jeff, <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly, so, yeah. exactly. So it is th- those bits definitely hit me more. And uh, yeah, any piece of media around like kids getting killed or hurt or something is going to hit me. But I will say this movie it certainly worked in that respect. I'm really interested to see what happens with Love and Thunder. Yeah, how what, is this pair going to be together? One mm. of the coolest uh, justifications for a subtitle in love the history it. of movies. That yeah. that was rad, a retroactive like, oh, cool, it's Love and Thunder. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the end of the day, it's really impressive that Taika Waititi and all the filmmakers behind this made a movie. And I think we're going to wrap this up for today. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from Varsity Blue and The Midnight. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Uh, Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week on the podcast. Now, guys... um, it's a uh, weird time right now um, to be alive and in the world. Um, and so we have a hope for what we're going to review next week on the podcast, which is Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, the movie. Uh, but depending on how things go with scheduling and safety and so on, we may not be able to make it into a theater. Um, so we may change up the plan. We'll see. But that is currently the plan. We're gonna. I, I think it's going to work out okay. um, that we're going to review Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. Uh, next week and have a thief after dark so i think it's going to be a lot of fun T- two um, totally connected films oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah i yeah. mean <laughs> i don't i don't know that much about thief so i can't make a boom goes dynamite joke but maybe next week <laughs> i will maybe next week i will marcel so, is the best at what he does yeah. <laughs> all right folks well anyway that is going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. We are so grateful to all of you for listening. So grateful to the folks at patreon.com slash filmpodcast 
for supporting us. We'll see you next week. <laughs>